Radio Mano Papachango. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. Uh, this is a very, very special episode. It's a conversation that I've wanted to share with you for a long time. Um, this is uh, two friends of mine, Liam and Allison, who I hung out with a lot when I was living in Portland. Uh, Cassie and I spent a lot of time with them and their two sons, and uh, they sort of... Um, how to say they, they they were very generous in welcoming us and showing us around and they got us an apartment actually uh um just very very generous people uh that we got to be very close with when we were living up there in portland quite quickly and they have a, a an extraordinary story that i wanted to you know record in a podcast but we really couldn't do it because it involved a lawsuit and until the lawsuit was settled, they weren't free to to speak about it. And um, but the lawsuit is settled. Everything's cool. And they were able to talk about it. And I'm actually glad that we're we waited this long because the story. Uh, well, there, there are other stories that, that got added to it, uh, other experiences and uh, layers to um, just how extraordinary these people are. Anyway, I don't want to say much more about it. It involves life and death and, uh, you know, facing mortality in various different ways and, and how this affects your relationships, how this affects your approach to life itself. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this. I, I'm, I've been looking forward to sharing this with you for a long time. I don't know how I'm going to describe it in the uh, the episode description because I know a lot of people... They don't download every episode, so it's like if they recognize the the name, it's some famous comedian, or you know, it's some uh, they're interested in drugs, and this one's about the guy who made all this LSD. Then oh, listen to that. I don't know how to even describe this one. These are uh, just a couple friends of mine who are amazing people, uh, you know, and that's probably not going to lead lots of people to download. I got this beautiful email the other day. Because I had said on on an episode a while back that, you know, I don't really understand why some episodes get downloaded significantly more than others. And this guy wrote to me and he said, well, you know, I really have to be careful about which ones I download because, uh, you know, I'm in this little village in Africa uh, working on a primate um, release program. And I go into the town and I've got really, there's really slow connectivity and the data is very expensive. And so I look and I sort of pick and choose which episodes I'm going to download and take with me back into the jungle for weeks at a time. <laughs> that's all I'm going to have. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I never thought that's that, that kind of thing could explain it, you know? I just sort of imagine everybody sitting at work or home with Wi-Fi and they can download whatever they want. And, you know, like mine 
podcast things just sort of download automatically and then I listen to a bit and if I'm not into it I skip to the next one but I guess there are people who have to be careful about what they download anyway that's a bunch of nonsense uh crazy shit keeps happening in the world several hundred people died in Egypt just um couple days ago with an ISIS attack and um, the people that died were Sufi um, Sufis and if if you don't know much about Islam and I don't know much about Islam but one of the things I do know about Islam is that the Sufi sect of Islam is a very beautiful um, very peaceful, very mystical. And uh, I was first introduced to the idea of the Sufis by a poet named Rumi. You may have heard of him. He's quoted on lots of inspirational posters and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think he was oh, 13th century, maybe. When I was back in college, I had a professor who used to uh, read us a lot of poetry and I, I remember the first one that I remember uh, that he read for or he recited from Rumi was very simple uh, he said my house burned down now I have a better view of the setting sun and that's it I remember that from 1982 must have been when I first heard that. It just uh, the simplicity of that and the the beauty, the turn that it takes. You think the first line tells you to expect sadness and despair, and the second line is celebration. And uh, so many things in life that I thought were bad news turned out to be good news. And that's a very deep lesson I learned way back when. And you've probably heard me talk about how the fact that I lived in Barcelona for 25 years off and on uh, was totally due to the fact that I got robbed in Barcelona. If I hadn't been robbed, the, my that part of my life wouldn't have happened that way. And I don't know, maybe it would have been better. Maybe I would have gone on to Sevilla or Burma or wherever I was going, and uh, who knows how it would have turned out. But I certainly have no complaints. Um, I was robbed in India on the train from Delhi to Varanasi, and uh, what that resulted in was my backpack being, first of all, destroyed because the guy cut along the zipper and there was no way to repair it. Uh, so I abandoned the bad backpack, and what he had stolen were uh, like a tent, a water filter, uh, these big binoculars that I was lugging around. I don't remember a bunch of other shit that I didn't need at all, but I was carrying it around, you know. And uh, so the first thing that happened was my load went from probably about 45 pounds to about 20 pounds, and my backpack was destroyed, so I got a shoulder bag, I thought temporarily, and the shoulder bag wouldn't hold very much, and it wasn't comfortable to have a lot of weight in a shoulder bag. So I 
threw or gave away my jeans and my hiking boots and all the socks and uh, my underwear. I, I guess I had some underwear then. And um, I ended up with just a pair of shorts, one pair of long light pants, sandals, and a few t-shirts and, you know, my journal and whatever. And so from that point on in Asia, I was traveling much lighter, much happier. It was great. But, you know, if my house hadn't burned down, I would have sat inside that house and not noticed the setting sun. So sometimes you have to be forced um, to make the decision that actually turns out to be... Actually, it's not being forced to make a decision. Sometimes the decision has to be made for you. Uh, Another line, another bit from Rumi that, that I've always found inspirational he says run from what's comfortable forget safety live where you fear to live destroy your reputation be notorious i have tried prudent planning long enough from now on i will be mad (laughs) and what is madness i mean in some in some senses madness might just be an acceptance and uh a decision to stop swimming against the currents and let the currents take us where they will and you're going to hear some of that wisdom in this conversation with Liam and Allison uh there's a lot of uh of wise surrender in what they have to say But before we get to them, uh, some news. First of all, I finished proofreading, tangentially reading the the book that's coming soon. And I have to say, with all humility, this is a fucking fantastic, fantastic piece of work. Uh, The people who transcribe these conversations put in so much work. When I was reading through this and I was thinking... You know, here they are listening to these conversations. Me, Duncan, Daniele Bolelli, uh, Nikki Glazer. We all talk fast. And Daniele's got that fucking crazy Italian accent on top of it. And they're untangling these sentences and, and you know, figuring out what we said. And oh, what was that word? And that, what did they mean? And, and they went back and looked at every reference, every every writer we mentioned, every historical figure they looked them up and made sure they got the spelling right. Every island in the middle of nowhere that somebody mentions, they made sure they got that right. They did such a great fucking job. Unbelievable. And the layout of the book is beautiful. The art in the book is fantastic. Adam McDade just did a... I think the guy's so talented. Anyway, uh, I'm really proud of this book. I'm I'm proud of it in the way that a parent is proud of a child. It's like, I, I didn't do it. I'm not proud of myself. I'm proud of the work that everyone else has done. And, and honestly, I'm, I am a little proud of myself. I got to admit, because, um, because we got into some really good conversations, you know, people talked about things that are close to their heart and to whatever extent, my presence made them feel comfortable enough to do that, um, then I guess I am a little, I do take a little personal pride in it. Um, but the, the con- these are real 
authentic conversations with really cool people. Um, Bruce Lisker, who was convicted of killing his mother and spent 26 years in prison, uh, you know, just talks totally from the heart. I think there are 20 some chapters. It's, uh, it's, it's just a really beautiful book. So uh, if you want to pre-order it, the just go to my website. You'll see the the ad in the in the margin there on the right, um, uh, and it's going to be out in a couple of weeks. We're going to get it to everyone who pre-orders it. We're going to get you a copy before Christmas, and then uh, you can continue to order it after Christmas, and and it's uh, it'll be delivered to you within a, a week or two. Anyway, I'm really happy about that, and. Uh, Congratulations to everybody who worked on that. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, what else can I tell you? Big news for those of you who like the shrimp parade. It looks like Duncan and Joe and I have finally booked it. Uh, we're going to be on uh, Joe's podcast on the 11th of December at 11 a.m. That'll be live if you want to check it out live if you want to watch on youtube i know joe streams everything uh up there and then of course you can always download it after if you're at work and can't don't want to deal with a three-hour rant fest while you're at work uh one other thing i wanted a favor i wanted to ask if you're if you're in canada right now listening to this and you buy things on amazon.ca um it would be great if you would go through my Amazon affiliate link on my webpage because uh, Amazon has just instituted a thing where you can supposedly link different Amazon accounts into one account. And I think we have linked our my Amazon affiliate thing with Amazon.ca and Amazon.uk. But... Um, it doesn't get activated until someone uses it. So in the past, I've said it only works for uh, American Amazon.com accounts. But I think as of now, it's also working for Amazon.ca and Amazon.uk. Mm, if I, I start to see things that go through there and it works, then we'll, then I'll, I'll let you know that it's definitely working. But for now, it's sort of a, a beta test. So if you're going to buy something on Amazon... Uh, and you're in Canada or the UK, and you think of it, please go through my my website. Uh, just click on the Amazon link. <sighs> but how's that work? Because that'll take you to the .com thing, and then maybe, I don't know, then maybe you just go from there to the UK. I, it's all very confusing to me. Which leads me to another thing, actually. If anyone out there is like a super savvy internet person who knows shit like this some millennial are you a millennial uh and uh would know like how to get around this stuff and maybe wants to help me out with social media because you know there are all these great episodes in the archives one of the things i was thinking about when i was proofing this book is you know some of these episodes are just fantastic but they're you know they're 280 episodes or something at this point and so people don't know about you know, the first 50 episodes or 100 episodes. And so I really should be regularly, you know, once a week, 
pull out uh, an episode from the archives and put it up on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that. But I just don't think of it. I don't have time. It, all that stuff just is just too much for me. So if there's someone out there who wants to help out and who knows about all this stuff and uh, who I can trust with my passwords, drop me a line. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's enough for me. Uh, I am going to play you out with a beautiful piece of music. I may have played this before. I don't know. I know I've played The Revivalist before, um, but I think I played Stand Up. This is a tune called Wish I Knew You uh, When I Was Young. Wish I Knew You When I Was Young. I, I just love the vibe of this song. So apologies if I played it before, but it's such a great song. Who gives a shit? This is Wish I Knew You by The Revivalist, and you're going to listen to Liam and Allison. Thank you for supporting the podcast, however you do it, whenever you do it. If you can do it, and if you can't do it, don't worry about it. Catch you next week. You shine like a star. You know who you are. You're everything beautiful. She's hot, hot like the sun. The loneliest one.
All right. That was a sound check. Yeah, that was a sound check. All right. I'm sitting in a living room in, uh, where are, they? are we in Selwood or we're still no, we're Portland? In, we're in Brooklyn. Oh, we're in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Oregon. Well, it's, it's Portland. Portland, the, the Brooklyn section of Portland with Liam and Allison, two great friends of mine from Portland days. It's weird yeah. to think of Portland days being <laughs> in the past for me because it was so recent. Um, yeah, I've wanted, so I, since meeting you guys, I wanted to get you on the podcast, but you couldn't talk, uh, because of legal things that have now been resolved, right? Well, yeah, so, you, you know, I've never had a hard time talking. That, that, yeah, you I was talk. able to talk. Oh, yeah. I've heard you talk. <laughs> yeah. I've heard Liam talk a lot. Yeah. Allison's a little more circumspect. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's true. Okay. So. Anyway, uh, we met. How did we meet? Any? How the fuck did we meet? Do you have any um, idea? Oh, oh, you were you were in Vancouver, like planning your move to Portland, right? And I'd been listening to the podcast, and you had said something about it, and oh. so I just dropped an email and said, "Hey, you know, I've got a restaurant in Portland. If oh, you ever come into town, oh, really? And you That's had, and I think you had gotten here, and you were your favorite spot was that Lompoc over on." Division, you would get, you know, that little house. Yeah. And I was like, he's got to come over to Dick's and have a beer. I need to get a, I need to get a, a picture of Dick's on his Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and really? I was like, yeah, yeah, he needs so, to come eat. So you wanted to use me for my totally. media yeah. oh, power. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you, you weren't, you weren't much of a media presence back then. No, yeah, I yeah. wasn't. You yeah. overestimated <laughs> the impact that I might have. Yeah. No, we'd been, I'd read your book back when we lived in Atlanta, and, oh, okay. and Allison read it. So you know, right. we, 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 and I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. He lives in Portland. That's cool. We gotta right. we gotta hook up. So I think I just dropped you an email. That's great. Yeah. yeah, this podcast is. I mean, I didn't even think of you guys in the category of friends who came via the podcast. I didn't remember if oh, we right. met at a party it's or whatever hard, it was. It does get hard to remember that. Well, once people. somebody becomes a friend, then yeah. like how it happened, who the fuck knows? Right. But uh, well, you know apparently. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. Anyway, so cool. Uh, that's how we met, and then I, I heard this story, which had happened. The situation with Wilson had happened. Your son, yeah. So Murphy, I should tell people who uh, listen to the podcast regularly that uh, Allison and Liam's older son Murphy, also known as Fuckface, was <laughs> on the podcast uh, what, like three years ago? Yeah, when he was thirteen and two a half. and a half. Oh, wow. So thirteen and a half, and he just turned again? sixteen right, like yeah. two days ago. Yeah. So this is another one of these family specials. <laughs> The family special. <laughs> Welcome. Would you like to try the family special? Uh, yeah. So anyway, so the situation was uh, you guys. Well, first of all, why did you leave Atlanta? What brought you out to Portland? Uh, you know, Atlanta just got too big and too busy. And and I was sick of being in the financial services industry, banking. Right. I'd been you were like writing time. loans. Is that yeah, what I was a was? commercial, like a commercial lender in a, in a community bank. And right. We had to find a city that met, you know, that we wanted to live in that was big enough for Allison to do her job because she's like a works for herself. She's a holistic life coach and right. personal trainer, right. and so you can't go to little small like Boise or some you know cool spot. We looked at um, we looked at Boulder. We looked at Boise. We looked at uh, what's that? What's that little town in California? 
Uh, uh, oh, San Luis. San Luis Obispo. Oh, right. But you look at the demographics, and they just you know Portland people don't realize you know has two million people, so it was it's a city big enough. It's to a big enough city, a but small, still a small a great yeah. place to live. So right, right. you know winter sucks. Weather's horrible in the winter, as you remember. Yeah. But you know it's, it's winter su- weather sucks everywhere yeah. at some level, except yeah. for where you live. <laughs> it's an amazing but place. But then there are though. other things that exactly. suck, you know, of course. Yeah. Something always sucks. Exactly. Uh, and when, what year was that that you guys came out here? That was 2013. Oh, okay. So it was right. yeah. four and a half years ago. Right. So just before we met each other. Yeah, you guys, Jan- you guys... January 2013 is when we moved out here. Right. Murphy and I. Right, cool. Yeah. First, yeah. yeah. All right, so then, so take us through it. So, you're, so you got a job here as a banker initially right yeah i was working for like a non-profit so i got out of banking it was great oh okay but it was working for like a non-profit community-based lender that focused on you know loans for veterans and uh, women-owned businesses minority-owned businesses right it's right. hard to find minority-owned businesses in portland by the yeah, way. yeah hard to find minorities in portland. <laughs> exactly yeah. uh so we I got out of that out we were able to move out here we loved it because we came out here to hike that was one of the things yeah hike get outside right. yeah that was like one of our, you know, like main reasons for coming out here. Right. Anyone who wants evidence of that can follow Greasy Old Murph on Instagram, <laughs> where he posts, uh, you know, photos of himself and his buddies sitting next to campfires around the Northwest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so that, but that was important to you already in Atlanta. You guys were sort of outdoors types. Yeah, but it's hard in Atlanta. Yeah. It's really hard because of the redneck rapists. Yeah, well, that I mean, you know, you hear the banjos. You hear the banjos, <laughs> and you, you know what's going. You're happen. hoping to see Burt Reynolds, but you're more likely you're going to see <laughs> yeah. sowing like a pig. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you try in Atlanta. But you yeah. know, everything's an hour away. Traffic's crazy. And it's hot as hell. It's and hot, hot and humid. sticky. Yeah. And, right. It feels yeah. like you're a sardine. Yeah. Basically. So yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great things, as you know, about every city right. that you could go to. And right. there's a lot of shitty things. Right. And one of the things about Atlanta was that outdoor recreation is not really their forte. Right. Right. So you get out here, you guys are like hitting the hiking, the waterfalls. So t- take yeah. us through this this experience that I'm dancing around here. If yeah, so it, I, I mean, it, yeah, I know I mean, we I, we're joking to, about it, but it's right. a really painful, difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we hadn't been here that long, and we decided to take a camping trip um, out near Silver Falls in that right. uh, that park out there. And um, you know, it was uh, see Murphy, his friend Murphy's friend was with us, and then you know, of course Wilson. And we took we started down the hike. And just how old normal. How old is everyone at this point? Um, let's like see. Murphy Gosh, was what, Wilson, 12? I think, was ten. Yeah, Were you twelve? Yeah. Or yeah, maybe Wilson I was, was nine. I yeah. Was in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, we started down the trail. Uh, the waterfall was massive, and there was, you know, some fencing around the trail. So it's, it was a public park. It wasn't, you know, something normally when we're on a trail, there's, like, no fencing. It's just, you know, you know, you know just to stay not close to the edge. So, Chris, um, do you know Silver Falls State Park? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Right, yeah. so Silver Falls, it's, it's the most popular state park in the country. Oh, really? Because it's yeah, a state it park. Is, actually, gets yeah. over a million visitors a year. Um, and everybody that comes to Portland or to Oregon should go visit it. Right. Because it's, it's a beautiful, it's awesome. It's Tourist like seven area. waterfalls. It's seven huge waterfalls, and you can, it's like a five mile loop, right. and you get all these great waterfalls. So it's right. a really great place. Right. But it's super busy. Yeah. Right? Um, and as Allison was saying, we went in January. Right. And weather here in January is kind of weird, right? And Silver Falls State Park, if you remember, there's a lot of up and down and up right. and down and up and down, and so right. the elevations change. Right. So there was, it was like, you know, 
a cold, really cold day, mm. right? We'd gotten a cabin. We'd gotten a cabin. We started our hike. Uh, it seemed pretty normal. Uh, Murphy turned around and mentioned to me, which I thought was really odd, uh, that I needed to stay close to Wilson that day. He had a feeling that something was going to happen. Really? Yeah, and I, I didn't, you know, so I took it into consideration, of course, right. but I didn't really expect anything to happen. And right. so we um, we started down the trail. I think we got down to the second waterfall. It started getting fairly dark outside and we decided oh we're gonna head back and just you know start dinner and stuff and um and so we turned around and we were at the second waterfall we were passing the second waterfall there were like you know up the trail uh, the fencing was pretty substantial they were like huge logs right. so you know but then the second waterfall there were just like uh metal piping so it was a kind of like you fit into the casing so you know it ha there was no sign or anything around it, so it looked like it was pretty stable. And so he, Mer Wilson, put his hand on the fencing, and as soon as he leaned into it, just a slight bit, it just fell. And he, he basically, t he just like I, he disappeared right in front of my eyes. I couldn't. I you couldn't were see looking him at him when it happened. He was like maybe it's like three or four feet. Three or four you. feet in front of me, and I was, and he was just, he just put his hand on the railing, looked over, and he was gone like that. It was that fast. I didn't even have time to reach out for him. And it was surreal because I was like, I couldn't even believe that it just happened. I was right. like, is this real? Like, did I just see that? And it was like, time stopped. And then finally everything started kicking in again. And I screamed and I ran to try to find where he, where he landed because I couldn't see what happened at all, you know, because he just completely disappeared. Right. So um, it was scary because I didn't know if he was alive or not. Of course. You saw him disappear, time stopped. Right. And then you freaked out. And then I freaked out, yeah. yeah. I realized what had happened. Uh, it kind of, reality hit. And um, then he, I was did wondering, he, like, like. scream as he went over or make any noise? No, or nothing? It, it happened it so silent. fast. It just, yeah. it was like immediate. Like, it, it just, yeah, wow. so fast. For and about 40 feet, he fell. 40 feet. Yeah. He tumbled, he tumbled about 15 feet. Because, you know, it's, it, this was right at the waterfall. Right. So this, it's called the Lower South Falls. And now when people go there, they will see this enormous, and I mean enormous, uh, timber fence right. that they built there. Because one of the things that we said in our case to the state was, we want you guys to put proper fencing there. This is stupid. Right. This is because it's the, and they're all like, well, this is the busiest state park in the world. It's really hard to maintain it. And we're like... Put up a damn fence. They have this huge timber fence up at the Upper South Falls, which right. you may, may remember. That's the big falls at the top. Right. They have this huge timber fence, and it literally the fence that they had was it's uh, plumbing like like stainless steel tubes. Right. And then you know they screw it in on the end. Right. And back in December, the 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 accident happened on January twentieth thereabouts. Back in December, there had been a bad storm, uh, rocks hit the fencing and broke it uh, right? right so they had marked it with pink survey tape right uh for the for as a repair that needed to be done so right. a month later that was the was a week of christmas a month later there had been five emails back and forth between the park and one of the volunteers about getting it fixed right. and they kept saying oh you know we're gonna get to it we're gonna get it. and some friendly hiker inadvertently kept putting putting it back into the housing so we think but yeah. not bolted well you couldn't bolt it it was broken
but they kept just setting it back in so right. it looked like it was intact uh, right, and right. so Wilson thought he was just leaning over to look down the waterfall right. on a fence he thought that's what it was there for because right. Allison always says every yeah. time hold on hold on right. if you see a right. fence grab it right. so he grabbed it and so that means you know when you grab and lean you're pushing you're, and yeah. so yeah. he just his yeah. forward momentum just carried him down yeah it's crazy yeah. so I screamed because uh, I didn't, you know, I was kind of far down the trail compared to where Liam and Murphy were. And uh, and I started running, like, to try to figure out how to get down there because I, I to, <laughs> for a split second, I thought about jumping, but right. I was like, I, I wouldn't survive that. So I'm just going to try to figure out how to get down there. Could you see and, him? Um, no, I couldn't. Uh, so I, I remember when we were on the other side getting... Uh, there was like a little trail going down to the water and right. then I would have to cross the water to go get him. So I started running that way because that was the only way I knew how to get down there. Right. Um, and then Liam and Murphy started heading down on the, there was like a little bit of a of an, a slight incline that they could get down on on the other side. And so Murphy actually got to him first and he was face down in the water um, and Murphy got him out of the water and then Liam was able to put him up on his shoulder and get him out because it was he was just really it was super cold down there and you yeah. know i mean we kind of debated whether we should move him but right we needed to because otherwise he would have he was uh, so he's unconscious no he was, conscious. Uh, he was he got he became conscious he was i think unconscious originally when murphy found him and then when Murphy right. found him he, he woke up but um i mean i felt like it was like almost closer to 60 feet but was that well, it's 60 feet from the, where the water cascades down, and then it's oh, about 20 feet to saying. where the trail is. So right. It's yeah. about 40 feet. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's not like that makes a difference. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and he yeah. landed in, you know, yes. a couple inches of water. Right. And it's all rocks. But he's face down. Yeah. And luckily, he he actually landed, which we didn't know we didn't know at the time, but he was face down in the water, which, you know, that's the first thing that I saw, yeah. which is that's just, you know, at that moment, it's like, okay, well, shit. Yeah. Somebody's face down in the water, you, you know, yeah. um, you're thinking they're dead. Right. Uh, I mean, you don't want them to be dead, obviously, but you, you're yeah. scared shitless. And um, he wasn't moving. And, right. you know, and, and Murphy was, was freaking out and yelling, understandably so. And um, so it, I really was torn about moving him. Yeah. But we course. were in, we're right in, so this happened right at the waterfall. So we're literally in the spray of the waterfall. And it's cold enough to where the spray of the waterfall is making ice on the steps, you know, oh. 30 feet that way. So it's like right at 30, 32 oh, degrees. Man. So that's hypothermia just waiting to happen. Because yeah. we're, you know, we're yeah. a couple miles from, yeah. you know, there's no it's gonna trucks coming down. There. Exactly. Somebody, were there other tourists around? There was one people? other lady there who was actually taking pictures right before it happened. Uh, she was part of the, the complaint. Or the, I mean, it wasn't oh, a lawsuit. Right, right. But she was, and her phone... Um, she was able to call 911. Oh, she had her coverage. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So she, and so she was there. She gave us a jacket. You know, everybody was giving us jackets. When I just said, look, I got to move them. Yeah. So I just, I moved them to the other side of the trail to get as far away from the spray. Right. As we could. And just, you know, just laid them flat and um, tried to make them comfortable. Yeah. You know, he's screaming, I don't want to die. It's just yeah, what's going to happen. You know, because he's, you know, he had punctured both his lungs, fractured his wrist. He had a spinous process fracture, which is the spinous process of the bones around the vertebrae in your neck. So they're they're designed to do exactly what they did, which is protect the vertebrae. Mm. So how he had landed was like almost sitting upright. Right. So he landed and his ass yeah. hit 
first and that caused really severe whiplash sure basically enough yeah. to break his neck not his vertebrae but broke the bones in his neck from wow. the whiplash it was so bad yeah so that ass literally saved him because yeah yeah, yeah. good thing he got, yeah, he got your yeah. ass and not mine in, <laughs> in the deal for sure <laughs> I mean, well, if he'd we gotten can, your head, he could have fallen on that, true. right? We can <laughs> laugh about it now, but yeah, I remember yeah. the first few times, I mean, the first, I don't know, maybe two years after it happened, I couldn't, I couldn't talk about it without crying. Yeah. Because it was such an emotional experience, of course. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was really lucky. I mean, the way he fell. It was it's hard to amazing. imagine any other way of falling I know, that wouldn't right? have been disastrous. Yeah. Well, and he tumbled over. So he got so to he that position, yeah. yeah, and so it's just, I mean, it's a mathematical, it's physics on how he landed that way. It's, yeah. you know, just like a yeah. throwing anything, throwing any object that's not uniform in shape, right? and it's going to land one way or the other, and there's a lot of different, Yeah. so, yeah. Uh, I mean, he could have landed face first, he could have landed head yeah. first, yeah. so, I mean... He and he, and he could have broke. Sorry to interrupt no, you. Like he could have broken something that the act of moving him would have been fatal. Exactly. Right. Yes. That, I mean, he. It's, I, I mean, which that. I could have, because his spinous process was broken. He could have been in such a position that moving him a foot broke his, you know, severed his spine. Yeah. That's exactly what I was yeah. contemplating. But you had to make that calculation. I just, I just did it. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought about it. I definitely thought about it. It wasn't just like, oh, I got to move him. I mean, I was like, shit, can I move him? Should I move him? What should I, you know, yeah. of course, it seemed like it took an hour. Yeah. It probably took moments, yeah. seconds. Yeah. Barely a few seconds. Yeah. So it, that was a, that was, Yeah. I think probably the most amazing thing about it, though, is that, you know, if that happened to you or me, We'd probably be in the hospital. We'd be talking about months in the hospital. Yeah, probably a month, right? These nine, ten-year-old kids. He's in the hospital for five days. <laughs> yeah, no, right? I think three days. Actually. It was five. It was five. Yeah. He got out on the okay. fifth day, right? right? Okay. And so it's you think about oh, your broken neck, broke fractured wrist. Yeah, you know he had I can't remember how many staples on his head because yeah. uh, on in the tumbling he had his hit his. Uh, the top of his head on a rock right and had you know a big gash on the top of his skull so he's, he was bleeding out of that Jesus. while we're sitting on the uh, on the trail but he's, and, he's conscious and yelling which yeah, is kind of a good thing you're happy yeah we were happy about that yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know yeah. and the people were great you know the 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 rangers were you know they came right away uh when the lady made the 911 call they got there they brought jackets yeah. and you know, the staff there was wonderful. All the employees, and you could tell that they were just aghast at that yeah. this happened kind of under on their watch. Or, right, you know, I mean, right. they, they were good. They were great people. And, yeah. the, and they I came with an ATV. Couldn't, couldn't believe that he survived it because it was a big fall. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and he, you know, he was laying there like, Mom, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I, was, I had to like just be like, no, you're fine. You'll be a, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I had to we both kind of had to hold it together emotionally just and i kind of had a calm come over me it was like oh it's it's going to be fine but you know like it took so it felt like it took so long for him them to get to him because they had to do the atv they had to drive it down all the way down the trail and that was the only way to get him on a stretcher so um but we had just an amazing uh, support system with hikers and and the people, the EMT people, and all that. So that was it was it was getting incredible. dark, you know. Yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. So because you know we had gotten to the the park kind of late, and you know we had this like uh, 
You know, it wasn't a cabin. It was more like one of those. The yurt or something? Yeah, well, kind of, but just like a little miniature thing where it's just two cots and a, huh. you know, like a bunk bed and a cot. Right. You know, and, right. and a fire pit outside. So you don't have to have a tent. Right. Um, yeah. And I think Murphy and his friend probably had a tent and they were right. going to set up their tent. Right. Uh, Keenan was Murphy's friend that was there. And needless to say, we never made it to the sure. <laughs> to the shelter or whatever. We right. went to the hospital that night. And, you know, riding in the ambulance, I think, was probably the scariest part for Allison, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah. <laughs> we were going like 100 miles an hour, <laughs> and it was foggy, and like I, 30 uh, degrees. I, and <laughs> you're in the front? Or and the, the lady she, in the back, in the, the back, paramedic in the back know. was saying, oh, slow down a little bit, you know, and he was... <laughs> She rides with him every day. I know. <laughs> that lady. I was like really She's worried. Nervous. You better be yeah. worried. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was crazy. It was like a movie. But, um, wow. but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, I just couldn't believe it was happening when it was happening. It was one of those moments. So, yeah. Yeah. It changed Wilson a lot, though. It really did. He was, he was, he became a different person after that Completely. experience. In what sense? He started, uh, I think he was a lot more timid and just wasn't involved in his, or kind of checked out a lot in a way in, in, as when he was younger. Um, and then after that moment, I feel like he started like becoming more aware and definitely more involved in like, in his own, uh, I don't know the word, word, word I'm looking for, but like just in his own experience of life, I guess, you know, trying and, um, I don't know. How did you experience it, honey? Well, I mean, I talked to him about it a lot. Yeah. You know, and it was literally, you know, he came to grips with death. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? He and he, actually, I mean, he faced it. He left and came you know? back. And before it was, before it had become this concrete and ingrained fear, like it is for for uh, us as yeah, adults interesting yeah. point right so right. before it's just oh my god i'm gonna die you know like you're in a you know you're nine or ten years old yeah so you know i think they say it's like six or seven is when you understand death right but you're not really afraid to die right. i mean look at because you're young you're yeah. young i mean yeah. you're not gonna die yeah. right and so it's it's it, i noticed you know that uh, in talking to him about it he um i don't think he is ever well i mean maybe he will fear death at some point i, I guess that becomes part of everything but I don't feel like he has the same attitude towards it. Yeah. You know, it freed, it seems like it freed him quite a bit. I, it definitely freed me. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It let, it helped me let go of him and Murphy. Right, right. And just not feel, you know, in our growth as parents and, and you know, trying not to own our kids and treat them yeah. like property, you know, and all, yeah, these, yeah. all these things. It just becomes this thought of, wait a second, so I couldn't stop him from dying right if that was his you know if, so you know that's not really my job my job is to be there for him and help him make the right decisions so in did, life did these sorts of insights come as a result of this experience or because i mean you guys one of the things that is really salient for me is you guys as parents are like radically honest and you know like you don't you you don't change the way you talk around your kids you don't change the things you talk about around your kids you're like right. even some people i really respect and admire it bugs me when their kids are around and i see them change they yeah, like you know they don't use certain words they say or, the n-word or they say uh, f-bomb or, or yeah, yeah and it's like well you think your kids don't fucking know what words you use <laughs> and also how come we can tell kids like 
you know, no, you don't drink beer till you're 18, or you don't drive till you're 16, or you don't. But if we say fuck in front of them, suddenly they can't understand that adults can say that and kids shouldn't. Right. You know, right. like I don't get that. It's a it's a conundrum I've never been able to figure out. Yeah. Oh. So so, but you guys as parents, did this experience radically change you, or did it like kick things in that were already there, but then you took them more seriously, or what would I, you say? I think it didn't change that part. I mean, we'd been doing that for a while, like just. Teaching them the appropriateness of using those words, like this right. is when it's appropriate, this is when it's not. Here are the consequences, you know. So um, for that part, and then other things about you know being honest or letting them be more free. But I think after um, the experience with Wilson, um, I, I actually felt like my anxiety around him got a little bit more, and maybe yours got better, but. Um, I think for me it was more of a traumatic experience in where like then after we then after that experience when we went hiking I, I would be like really anxious around yeah. cliffs and stuff sure. with him of course right. even though it's it would probably not happen again you know um, yeah but, he's good he got his <laughs> <laughs> statistically that's speaking that's his, something that yeah. I've had to work on myself and also yeah. letting go letting him go to some extent too and let him be free and himself and for sure did you have nightmares after this I did I, I, I kept like it Every time I'd, you know, as soon as I put my head on the pillow, I'd start thinking about right. it when it first happened. You know, just the only thing I could think about over and over and over again. So, did um, you feel, did you feel like you should have done something differently? Was there like a shame or a guilt associated with it? I did go through that in my head. I thought, could I have like lunged out and grabbed him or done? I mean, and then I was like, no, I really couldn't have. There was nothing I could do. That's actually kind of lucky in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, if I you think, had tried and, yeah. and then he slipped out of your hands, and it would have been worse. Well, you fell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I mean, that could have yeah, happened, happened too. That, yeah. happened. that happens a lot with with falls. Well, people going to rescue yeah. people. That exactly. happened actually here in Oregon uh, not too long ago. It happens Mom in the gorge. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, um, drownings. Yeah. yeah. Someone swims out to save yeah, you that's and, like, right. they get yep. down too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, then that did cross my mind to jump, but I didn't do it, thank goodness. But, um, yeah, I just, it was. Uh, I had, yeah, so I had to deal with that anxiety for a while and, um, you know, because I don't want to be anxious or scared or fearful right. when I'm hanging out with my kids. That's sure. no fun. So, um, and but, it'll, it'll hurt them too. Yeah. Yeah. They see that and they start thinking, you know, they're, that they can't be free. Right. So. Well, we would talk about that. Remember? Yeah. We would, we like we go out hiking stuff. and I'd be like, Allison, you got to stay back here. Right. Not, not because she was right. doing something bad. I mean, it was under the emotions she was having were completely understandable, yeah. you know, and you respect them. Yeah. But what happens is literally I could see Wilson changing his behavior. Right. And, you know, what do we, I think we were watching Murphy and I were watching Point Break. And there was something in Point Break where he's talking about where Bodhi is talking about fear yeah. uh, causes hesitation. Right. And he's talking about so you have to project your strength. You know, even when you're afraid. Right. Because then that, that way you can get through whatever you're trying to get through. And right. so if Wilson felt that somebody else was worried about him, then he right. would it would change your behavior. Right. I mean sure. it's, and, and so we were, I was just like, you know, just hang back and be be worried. But we kinda gotta let him I felt like we needed to let him yeah. experience it. and if he was scared and didn't want to go on, that was fine too. Right. But he was I could feel he was trying to deal with it. Right. You know, in his own way. 
which is yeah it's interesting how a thing happens to one person but everybody it happens to everybody yeah you know it affects yeah. everyone and, and yeah as individuals but then also like your marriage must have changed oh the we, way we you yeah dealt with we, each other oh, we decided that we if he'd have died we I, I don't know how couples do that yeah I don't know how they stay together is it because you're blaming yourself and there's there's like that sort of ricochet of, of guilt and accusation and just, all that well, or, I think, yeah, I think it? it's just uncontrollable I mean what do you I mean it, it, it seemed it, what I thought would have happened of course we don't know right but I just felt like if we would have had to go through that grief right of losing him and each have to have you know feel that and go through that right yeah. as individuals yeah. first and then as a couple because you're losing this thing you created together yeah and then to try and while you're going through that and feeling all that pain to try and have empathy for the other what the other person's going through so right. allison yeah. was going to have right. her experience of it and she right. was going to have all this guilt right. about letting it happen and i was going to have all this guilt about why did i move him or right. why you know like yeah. if, what if he'd have, right. me moving him would have right. you know i mean just so many things could have happened right so those are all of the i mean that's the type of stuff that where I got where I got growth out of it was thinking about the what ifs and the what yeah. could have been and right. what you know what didn't happen almost. So why would a couple? Why and I agree with you. Like typically, couples don't last to go through something like that, right? But why is it? And because like one of the beauties of marriage or any any kind of really deep friendship is that you go through difficult times together and you get through it together and it makes you stronger, right? Yeah. I, Why well, is yeah. that? Is it because looking at the other person reminds, reminds you of the loss yeah. and you can just like not see them and then part of you will forget it? I think that's part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, but on my end, I think, uh, you know, I don't know what it would have been like. I don't know if we would have broken up. Um, he says that, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, well, it's I kind of think we would have yeah. still been friends. Right. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if it, I think it'd be hard to be in uh, a marriage maybe after that. Yeah, that would. I mean, who knows? Yeah, uh, I, you know, it's a. Uh, this is not a, a unique phenomenon to humans. You know yeah. what I mean? To yeah. losing losing a child. Yeah. I mean, it used to be so common for our species. I mean, right. It was just like it was. It was more probably more common than not. Right or fifty fifty. Yeah, I mean, about I've seen data. Right, percent of infants die. So, infants, though. Yeah, infants. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and then as yeah, they get every year old, nine year, year old, that's exactly. a different it's, thing. It is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, twelve was always kind of the if they yeah. made it to twelve, then, then they're gonna make it. Yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, not only have we as a culture and as a as a uh, species chosen to isolate ourselves individually yeah. in a lot of ways, right. but I think we put. Our, even our groups we isolate from other groups so like our couple like married couple you right. that's that's compartmentalized right. and don't bring your marriage problems to work don't right. bring you know or yeah. you know my, you know don't talk to your parents about problems you're having at home don't talk right. to your friends and you know keep that amongst yourselves yeah. and so I think people already are on an island and then they have another island of their marriage and so you're on an island within an island yeah and there's not really the support systems that we used to have around us like you know who was going to be there to take care of your other child while you went through the grieving process right no you still have to right. do all this stuff right still got to go to murphy's ball baseball game right not that he ever had a baseball game but you know, right or whatever your other kids stuff you still have to go through day and there's nobody to just stop and do things for you or take 
you know, so you can't just put your life on pause. Yeah. You know, we, we all, you talk about all the time and you and I have talked about so many times about the, you know, being on the treadmill of life and, you know, people being in the grind and the grind doesn't stop. Right. You lose a kid. Oh, well, you guess what? Oh, well, you used your two sick days up. Yeah. See you on Tuesday, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, your kid's dead, you know, or, or you don't get a paycheck. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. on your death. Oh, you're, we're really sorry. Right. So sorry to hear about yeah. that. But yeah. nobody really cares. Right. I mean, they do. They want to. I think they want to. Well, they want to, but structurally. You can't. You're yeah. not allowed to. Yeah. Time sorry. money. Yeah. 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 Show up for work. Oh, sorry. You used all your vacation. Yeah. You yeah. went to Hawaii. That was a bad decision. That's <laughs> the libertarian in me, right? Well, you chose. You made yeah, a choice. Yeah. So now yeah. you come to work sad and depressed. Uh, you know, just don't don't bring the shotgun shells with you. Just yeah. you know, because we're worried you're going to commit suicide. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So does there come a point? I mean, obviously, you're incredibly relieved when the doctors tell you he's going to be okay. Yeah. Which happened the first night, or at, at what no? Point? They had to they had to transport him up from the little. Hey, we got a hospital down here in Silverton. Silverton, they <laughs> right. were super nice. Look, we got a new X-ray machine. It worked. They, they were they were very <laughs> they honest. Were great, they yeah. said, you know, I don't we don't have the equipment or you know the yeah. people to to help him with this. We're going to send him to OHSU. Right. So, but right. they didn't want they didn't want to use a helicopter, which scared us a little bit. Because they did they did not. Why? Well, because the helicopters are not as stable as they can make a van. Oh, so you know those. Really? If you ever see those big, That's huge, funny. I would have thought the opposite. Yeah. Well, so yeah. They, they make these the the big, huge like children's hospital. They look like a like an ambulance on steroids. Uh, the reason they're so big is because they have all these shock absorbers in them, uh, and so they're supposed to just be like super smooth. Uh, and so if they go under sixty miles an hour, they're just like on glass right whereas yeah. a helicopter things can happen vibration vibration and yeah. landing and, yeah, you know, and things yeah. can happen right. you know in in the air so huh. they were like we don't want a medevac um medevac you know we, we, so we're gonna use the and so but we didn't know what that meant right we just thought that that was a little like they were being cheap they or were, something. well they were being careful yeah, but we didn't know they were being careful. We right, just, I can't. We wanted them to get yeah, them to get the there best hospital right Send away. Them a fucking jet. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, the Elon Musk. You guys, you guys had insurance to cover this. Yes. We did. I had. Yeah, I did have insurance at the time, and it was. It's weird because normally I just have the my kid fell off a cliff insurance. Right. I mean, catastrophic. Like, catastrophic. But at that point, for some reason, I had signed up for it at work hmm. when I took this new job in Portland. So we had some regular, quote unquote, insurance. Um, it's still pretty expensive. You know, yeah. For us, I mean, we met all the deductibles, you know, within 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, that ambulance, the ATV and the ambulance coming right. to pick them That's up. It. We were pretty You're much out. at the deductible, yeah. right? <laughs> Five grand or whatever. But what, I mean, if you hadn't had insurance, what would happen? You'd be half a million dollars in debt. It was, I think the total medical bills for him were like somewhere around a hundred grand. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't horrible, but he didn't need any surgeries. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't need any... Um, Real drugs. He never took painkillers. Really? Never took any painkillers. Huh. Um, no surgeries. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's yeah, really what that's what really that's gets amazing. you. Amazing. The surgery is what's so expensive. So all those bones just healed in place somehow. Yeah, they all he got just a cast on his wrist, and because uh -huh. uh, he broke his wrist, and then he got staples in his head. And the neck was just, it just heals itself. You just have to put just it in a brace. Just keep it yeah. 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 Like right. for like about a weeks. month. Yeah, or, yeah, so. That's a long time for a little kid to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially him. It was hard to keep him still. For yeah. Sure. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was 
you know, and they told us at first, like, he broke his neck. I was like, what? <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, because when you hear somebody say you broke your, you know, neck, you think, oh, it Paralyzed. broke all the way through or right. something. Yeah. But, I mean, it was the spinous process, so it wasn't, it was like the bony part that sticks out. Yeah. So, um, it's, you know, that's not great, but it's way better than, you know, <laughs> yeah. the other option. So. Yeah. Um, the concern for him is when he gets older. You know, you do that kind of, get that kind of a fracture, it calcifies. Right. It's in a really, really sensitive area. Right. That's your vertebrae. Right. So, and you yeah. hear, you see, I know lots of guys my age and older that have some injury from, you know, football or they were football players or yeah. something else. Yeah. And, you know, they have all kinds of screwed up neck problems, yeah. shoulder problems. Yeah. Or you fall off a bike and it's no big deal, except suddenly it is. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, we were talking about how the, this may have changed your approach to parenting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it made me a little more anxious in the beginning, but right. then I, um, you know, I went through some stuff, uh, some emotional coaching for myself around that, and it really helped me understand that I just I needed to let him become his own person right. and let go a little bit. Um, because I think I, I would I think he was, you know, a little attached before that too. To to me, I felt like anyway, um, maybe a, a little bit of a mama's boy kind of, and you know, um, and you know. I think that it's healthy to unattach as they get older and, and find their own way and right. find and you know find out who they are. So, for me, seeing that and realizing that okay, he's really trying to he needs to have his own space. He needs to feel independent. Um, and so I, I did my best to give him that space, but it was a little bit of a push and pull because I was so worried about him. You know. Right. So. Um, yeah, but then finally that got, I mean, I think probably in the past year or two, it's it's gotten a lot better as he's gotten older. But uh, he's been in, you know, he's been in some weird accidents in his life, so I think that has something to do with it, too. He's had other um, stuff happen like this? Yeah. Oh, just the scooter accident. He got his head stuck under a car one time. That we was had to playing hide-and-go-seek. That's not an accident. That's a fucking dumb kid. Just <laughs> <laughs> being a stupid kid. <laughs> and he almost chose to have to give him the high No, it was, a, it was a pre. We had to jack up the Prius to get him out. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was, yeah. He was like six. That's it was funny. crazy. You know, hide-and-seek. He was good, you know. We. Yeah. <laughs> I see your legs. <laughs> yeah. So I can't get out. Can't oh, find, I'm like, come on, get out of there. No, really yeah, I just had stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, kids do that. It's kind of normal. Yeah. For kids to get Maybe that fall was situation. evolution trying to do its thing. No. It's it terrible. Yeah. He, Wilson changed. Well, he that is accident, a survivor, man. He's that, a survivor. He, that accident literally changed who I was as a parent and a person. In what sense? It, it, well, that was when I finally just, you know, let them both go. You know. it's, it's interesting because, you know, as you guys are talking about letting go and how this triggered all these things, it occurs to me, I'm not, I'm not a parent, obviously, but when I think about being a parent, one of the things, like one of the central struggles is letting go. Yeah. And so there's a way in which this just sort of amplified something that I think all parents must be dealing with. Yeah, right? I, I mean, everybody has to at some point. Because, like... You're more scared of them getting hurt than getting hurt yourself, right? Isn't that sort Absolutely. of like a central thing about being a parent? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So when yeah. you you talked earlier, you said like Wilson faced death on an even more profound sense, maybe. So did you. Yeah. No, I yeah. think we faced it 
you know, through him. By proxy. By yeah. proxy, totally. Yeah. And, and we, and you know, neither one of us really had ever been, you know, really face death. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. We live in such a bubble wrap world nowadays. You know, yeah. we think it's so, yeah. you know, scary, but it's and not you really. guys were what, in your mid-30s or something? Uh, 40s. 40s. Yeah. Okay. Early, so, early 40s. Still young enough to pretend you'll never die. I'll never die. <laughs> and you know, and he, you're both athletes. You're super, you know, like we, fit. We and love all working out and you know, yeah. living life and yeah. and you know, it it became a I I changed careers because of it. Right. Yeah. I interrupted you. Yeah. So no. No. You, it's you fine. Said, you said you you changed fundamentally. So you changed careers. Yeah. I I, I realized. Well. So it, it, I went through this thing to where I was like, okay, so. I've been lying to myself and lying to my kids about, you know, about, you know, do what you want. You can be anything. Take a chance. Do that. You know, do it, do it, do it. Well, then he almost died. Right. And I wasn't doing what I told them they should do. I remember right? you telling me some story. Now, maybe I'm making this up. Were you riding your bike to work? When it happened? When you, like, had, like, a an insight, like, that you had to change your life? It, it was either, well... I think it was on. I think it was on my bike because I used to bike commute when I worked downtown. Yeah. Um, you know, it could have happened then. It, you know, I felt like you know it was really when I learned how to meditate. I really actually decided to learn how to meditate. Yeah. I even got an app. <laughs> that's uh -oh. when you know you're serious, that, yeah, right? Yeah, that's serious. Uh, Until well, they want to charge you, and you're like, yeah. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> ninety-nine cents for what? <laughs> I don't get it. 99 cents to sit and stare <laughs> yeah, at Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for the music. So you're saying you learned to meditate like uh, subsequent to this. Yeah, I, well, I really got motivated to like do you, it. Like you just, I got to calm my mind. I, I got to get some learn insight. To not exactly. think yeah, for a yeah, minute. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and you know, get some insight. And uh -huh. that's where I just, you know, decided that, you know, I hadn't really left banking. I thought I had, but I hadn't. Mm. I, I was telling myself all kinds of stories, you know, because... I was now working at a place that instead of being the bank, they were like the shill for the bank. So I had fa I found out subsequently that uh, this really exciting for your listeners. CRA the <laughs> CRA credits, right? That banks get. It's like if a bank, Wells Fargo, gets credit for doing loans in in depressed areas, economic areas, right. or for loans to minorities right. or veterans, right? right? But they can't. They don't know how to do it, right? They don't know how to make a loan to somebody who the cash flow is not there or whatever. So they give money to these nonprofits like that I worked for who then go and do the loans for them and they get all the credit for the loans on with the feds. Right. Right. So I was just, you know, whoring myself out to the big bank still. Is right. That's how I felt. Right. But the story you were telling yourself was, was I'm, I'm doing something good. Dude, yeah. Look and at also me. like the, the activity itself was essentially the same as it what you've been doing. Giving people debt, debt on debt, except it was higher. And, and doing the numbers and you got a bunch of folders on your desk. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a stand up desk, so that was okay. Oh, that's, yeah. well, well, that's you healthy. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, and not that there's, you know, and that's not the shit on people that do that for a living. Right. Uh, I did it for 20 years and right. it can be a great living and you can still be a really great person sure. and, and have a shitty job or do a job that's that's you know feeding the machine or whatever that's not a judgment on them or on myself for doing it but I realized that I was not being true to me via my kids because I was lying to them and the lie was the lie was that you know we, we should think about what we do you know right right intention right occupation right mindfulness you know, so it's some, not really a lie it's more a sense of hypocrisy yeah hypocrisy right yeah, totally i felt like a total hypocrite and that i just had to do something about right. it right and 
you know, Wilson's accident, talking to him about and hearing his, you know, courage in facing death really gave me comfort, allowed me to let him go and that I could let him go and that he was going to be okay. You know, even if he had died, mm. it, whether it was the end of him here, yeah, of course, obviously it's the end of, but that was really just the end of my experience of him, right? not him. He was still going on as a person in the past right? because that person still exists t 10 years ago or five years ago. Right. That person's still there. I mean, time's not, time is not what we think it is. And I don't know what happens after you die. Yeah. To, to, I mean, obviously, I know what happens to your body. But if that's what had happened to him, that's what had happened to him. Now, at the time when that happened, I didn't want that to happen to him. I still sure. don't. Sure. But that's me not wanting that to happen to him. That's right. me controlling that's your his outcome. Yeah. It's, it's not really my place. It's not really fair to him for me to control his outcome. It's fair for me to, hey, don't run in traffic. Yeah. Uh, if you drink that Clorox, you're, it's going to make you sick. Right. Don't, I'm not going to feed you Clorox. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Obviously that's your, that is your job as a parent. Right. My job as a parent, whoever's, what a, everybody else wants to do as a parent is fine with me. But my job as a parent became, especially after that, to be, uh, you know, the ferryman, the guide, not the driver of the boat. You know, I'm, right. I'm the, 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 not controlling everything, every aspect, every minutia every making sure everything's perfect and everything's right and you know and this puts you at odds with the trajectory of american parenting yeah you should see the teachers where i'm like okay well he better i hope he does that when they're you know a project's due or and something they expect you to make well, him I, do it yeah, I, yeah. make him do it motivate him right well what you know do well, how the parents do it for their kids yeah i mean go look at some of these school projects for yeah. third graders right. it's, a, it's a joke <laughs> You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, when they go to a charter, they they go to kind of a weird school now, anyway. Yeah. But I, I, where I found actually some of the teachers, it's actually refreshing for them. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh wait, I don't have to deal with the. Uh, this guy's not going to show up in my office yelling and screaming about how I'm ruining their kid's life. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, or you're giving them space. To yeah, do they got to do their thing. Right. You know, right. but that means he might fail too. Right. Or fail. It's not failure. Um, they don't even have grades at the school where he goes to now. So yeah. I was listening to your your uh, Spring Roots Farm lady talking about uh, that. Elisa. Uh, yeah, yeah, Elisa talking about grading everything. And it made me, you know, gr yeah. give me some gratitude for the fact that the, our kids' school doesn't, they don't do grades. Yeah. They just, you know, it's, how you doing? Right. Let's check in. Right, check in with the grade. <laughs> Jim, yeah. How are you feeling about American history? That's cool. Well, we are in Portland after all. <laughs> That's Absolutely. True. Yeah. 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 So, do you? Uh, what about you, Allison? Did it change your life? You're you're doing the same job. You were yeah. already in a job that felt true to you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of had to restart uh, my my career when I got here just because I, I see clients locally so I had to kind of restart that whole thing and um, it did put my my job on hold for a bit to be with him and to put my attention on him and make sure he's okay so I, th I think for me I just it helped me uh, after I got through the anxiety to step back and just allow them to be their own people and I feel like a lot of times I was just getting in the way you know um, because they kind of, they already know what to do. It's like Liam yeah. said, you know, you're keeping them safe for the most part. You know, you're you're helping them with um, kind of navigate things that you've already learned. But, uh, you know, they already know who they are. And 
how to find joy in life, how to play, and all these things. Right. And if anything, Which isn't they taught me how to play. your way. Yeah. 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 So, um, like, I right now I'm going through like just learning how to play again and to have fun and and have just find joy everywhere I go because you know it was um, I was brought up to just you know work hard and and I was a gymnast so you know it's all about perfection so. Mm. Um, unwinding that is has been a, a journey for me for sure yeah. yeah yeah how how did this affect Murphy do you think um I mean I he's think the it, older he brother had a hard time with it he kind of felt this is just my projection but I, I think he kind of felt responsible for Wilson for a little bit you know yeah. and like he was like his <clears throat> parent in a way and he would yeah. tell him you know kind of what to do and and they've had some you know head button on that but um uh i think he started feeling like he needed to take care of him and we tried to unwind him from that as well because i don't think that was super healthy but yeah. um um i don't I, know what do you think yeah. i mean that's well, what i yeah cool i mean chris is chris has talked to Murphy probably almost yeah. as much as he's talked to But I think Murphy gets me. annoyed sometimes about like, I mean, this was back, this isn't recent, but this was probably a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, yeah. I just, I, you know, I've seen, I mean, I definitely, Murphy changed a lot. Yeah, too. he did. I mean, he turned it in, scared him too, actually, a lot. It did, think, but yeah. I think it also, you know, um, I, I, my experience of Murphy since that time was, that's really when he came into his own. You know? That's true. Uh, I, I, as far yeah. as who he um, you know who he is and his whole persona of I mean nobody I've never seen anybody not in a real organized structured way want to be out in nature so desperately yeah like he is I mean he goes and as soon as the summer hits he's out in the gorge camping by himself since he was 14 hmm. you know and um, when <laughs> the first time he did it he uh you know, he has his camping knife with him, and we, he had a phone. You know, we, we tried to do it where he had service, so he could call us in the morning for a ride or whatever, but he had gotten up really, really early. This is a really good example of like a nightmare story that, that you know, parents will hear and think that we're horrible parents, but he comes down to the, you know, the Multnomah Falls Visitor Center, yeah, and it's like six in the morning, and the overnight maintenance guy, this Latino guy, is getting off his shift and offers Murphy a ride in his beat up old pickup truck yeah. at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And Murphy took a ride from him, you know, and got home and everything was cool. But you know, he told me that story when I got home. I said, well, what were you thinking? He was like, well, I had my knife. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that if, if we hadn't gone through what we went through with Wilson, that we'd have been okay with Murphy doing something like that. Right. I think that well, that's kind of what I mean by how it changed how I view parenting, you know? I, yeah. I remember when I was living here, I remember Murph wanted to go camping and you, I don't remember what it was, but it was something like, was, didn't I give him a ride somewhere or I was going to give him, I don't remember what it was, but it was one of these situations where it's like, we're going to drop him off here on Friday and then Sunday we'll pick him up here. What? Was 20 that, miles away or something. Was that when he did the podcast with you with the guy on the PCT? Oh. Maybe yeah, he oh, met you up there. I took him up there. That's you right. You took him up there. And, and then you were going to pick him we up a couple days later. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I just remember being struck by 
like your your trust like not only in him but just like in the universe you know and and like and i i'm totally down with that i agree with it when i was a kid i was doing that kind of stuff so it, it works for me yeah but in this you know america in 2017 like I'm going to drop my 14-year-old or whatever he was then off in the woods and come back in 48 hours and hope he's here. I mean, yeah. there's bears and shit. He can get lost. And, you know, but that's what he wants to do. You honor well, it, you know? And, and you it's know, weird. as everybody maybe knows after hearing him on your show, like he has had experience on in uh, wilderness survival sure, skills. He's sure. had that. He knows yeah, he how knows to do all that shit. stuff. Yeah. It's not like we're just dropping him off. Like, <laughs> fend for yourself. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I was a little nervous when we first did that. I'll but, bet. you know, um, but then you, you build the trust and you're yeah. like, okay, he knows what he's doing. I trust him about, you know, how he knows what to do with him, himself and how to... You know, he knows he'll know what to do. He's got good instincts, yeah. you know, and, and and intuition and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean that. But that has to. As parents, I think you have to let some of that happen so you can build the trust. Because right. otherwise, right. if you don't like let them become a, you know, have some independent moments, then you can never build that trust up. And yeah. you know, they never get to experience that. So. His desire for that experience oh, was, was palatable. Yeah. yeah. When, when yeah. He, would, he would be, he would describe. So here's what I'm gonna do. He had all his yeah. maps. He, he had it planned out. It. You yeah. could, you could feel. Yeah. Physically, the desire that he had to do this yeah. and how much it meant to him. Yeah. I could not imagine denying him that just because right. I can. Right. Or because it, or because it scares me. Or right. is, you know what I mean. Right. Now, if he got eaten by a bear, bears don't really eat people very often, but it, or killed by, fell off a cliff. Right. Would I have felt terrible? Sure. Well, of yeah. course. Yeah. And yeah. of course, you know, if you could, the, the, the level of trolls when we went through this with Wilson and obviously their news stories online and stuff, yeah. I had to keep Allison off the internet. It was just like, don't look. What, people are like blaming you in oh, the comments? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh. Like, how can you take your kid walking by waterfalls? Oh, I mean, what all, the ki fuck? all kinds really? of stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, it was still it was relative. Terrible. We yeah. were kind of new. We'd been here a year, so we were still outsiders. So, what did you think you were going to get when you came to Oregon? You know, oh, just, really? Oh, the comments were so, they oh. were so nasty. Our lawyer called us and was like, don't look at the comments. Huh. He's like, I'm telling you now, don't get on the Oregonian and read the comments. Really? It turned into like That's pages nuts. and pages of people defending us and fighting. And, right. Well, how could right. you say that? You know, right. and, and, you know, subsequently there's been a big like free range parenting move. Well, I was going to ask You've you seen about that, right? that. Yeah. There's the woman who gave her kid a few bucks and a subway ticket and said okay you know come see you home you know and then here's the phone and here's a phone number yeah. and somebody found the kid on the i mean the kid was fine uh -huh. but then they, they, it turned into this huge thing or the woman who let her right. kids play in the park they called the cops yep. or something yeah. it's like yeah so there's this whole thing happening in america which is don't let your kids despite the fact that fewer kids are kidnapped or hurt or abducted now so than ever. Yeah. They're abducted by people they know. That's, yeah. that's yeah. who's well, abducted kids. by the ex-husband exactly. or something. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah. you know, crazy uncle or right. whatever. But, I mean, there's this crazy shit now where, you know, like, uh, unaccompanied single men are not allowed to, like, sit in the park near yeah. where the children near are schools. playing. That's right. Oh, I they're creeps. That. Yeah. Automatically, they're creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
I mean, and I find it a lot. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I walk in, I start massaging your shoulders, you know, right. without even thinking about it. If there's a little kid, I touch kids all the time. You know, right. in Spain, it's like you touch people; it's yeah. not a big deal. In America, I touch a kid, and it's like ah, people out. are looking yeah. at me and like, eh, what's going on over there? Right. It's, it's ridiculous. So weird. It's, it's such a ugly, ugly feeling. Yeah, it's gotten really weird. And I don't. I know when we were when I was a kid, I got just used to run everywhere, all over the neighborhood, and for hours, my parents wouldn't know where I was. Yeah. It's conditioning. Um, you know. You know we, yeah, we're conditioned. I, it's interesting because I was just thinking about this the other day, um, because I told that story about Murphy with the with the um, the knife and the getting the ride home and everything to somebody. And they're like, well, how old was he? Like, I think he was 14. And they're like, I wonder what the law is in Oregon. And I'm like, well, what do you mean the law? And she was like, well, I wonder what the law is in Oregon for when you're allowed to do that with your kid. <laughs> Let your kid be a person. Right. Or leave your kid at home right. alone, right? Yeah, yeah. There is no law. Huh. So it's like subjective. Is your kid ready? Right. Right? Is your, your kid's 11? Well, what 11? Right? Yes, it depends on the kid. So people, that well, doesn't it, work for people. They yeah, need the they government to tell them. If they're 10, right. they're okay. If but they're 9 it, and 9 shouldn't months. shouldn't everything be this way? Shouldn't everything be like, what's the, the legal age of consent for sex? It, it depends on the person. Or drinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Really exactly. Depends, I mean, right? it's ridiculous to. I mean, but that's the consequence of living in these large-scale societies where right. everyone doesn't know everyone, and you know, we're into exactly. that rant again. Yes, um, I love that rant. It's it's <laughs> one of my central it's got, rants. It's about staying power. Yeah, it's, it's an important rant. So, uh, like, are you? I, I don't want to to uh, get into things that are going to make this awkward or whatever but like as you see them growing up becoming sexual yeah. you know like they're going to start uh, I mean is this are you going to be re-experiencing this whole letting go cycle again and again or do you think you did it and it's like okay I'm know. done with them they can, they can leave now no. <laughs> uh, no I think it's uh, um, the for for boys especially sexual maturity and becoming a man and stuff right. you know um they i feel like that although it happened a little young for wilson that was kind of his coming of age mm. you know that was his right his journey into you know adulthood did he have like a, any sort of experience consciously that he described like any near-death experience or he did you know yeah. he he won't talk about it now but uh -huh. right after the accident he said he heard voices as he was falling telling him he was gonna be alright saying you're gonna be okay relax it's gonna be fine as he was tumbling down and he said it felt like it took a while to fall and then that he heard the same voice telling him to, to wake up when Murphy and I got to him. So, and he described it as a feminine voice, you know, so. Is that all right to include this? I don't, yeah. I don't want to invade his privacy. No, it's, it's fine. Okay, yeah, it's fine. I think it's yeah. okay. Sorry, right. yeah. Wilson's pretty open about it. He yeah. just doesn't, he, re, he just doesn't really remember that. Oh, that's why he doesn't talk about it now. Exactly. Okay, I right. thought you meant he, he was uncomfortable. No, somewhere. no, I've talked to him about it before, and he was like, I don't remember telling you that, and mm -hmm. I don't really remember that happening, you know, right. but I, and he's been to a, a therapist and stuff. Right. Um, but she basically just said, He's fine. She, he, she went to, he went to one session, and she was like, he's cool. Right. He's like, he's dealt with it. That's cool. He's like, don't bring it up. If he brings it up, talk to him about it. If not, he's good. Yeah. 
He's not. Don't dwell on it. You know what? That's a good therapist. <laughs> yeah. An unusual therapist. Well, she, she could have just said, you know, I need to see him for the next. Yeah, we right. need to dig up right. something. Sixty dollars right? a session. Well, not, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, that's true, obviously, but not only in that sense, but the, you know, I'm sure you guys are aware of this this research showing that um, the most of the trauma associated with uh, sexual abuse of kids comes after the adults hear about it oh, and start right. freaking out. The shaming or the you embarrassing it. and all that. Yeah. yeah, like you need yeah. therapy and yeah. oh my God, I can't believe he touched right. you there. Right. And oh my God, is a... That makes sense. That's when the kids are like, oh, I guess I got hurt there. You Especially know? if they enjoyed They're it, like, God forbid. Yeah. 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 That's, and that's a then, taboo then you've got thing a whole to talk new about, twist. Of yeah. 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 So yeah. it's really cool. A therapist is like, yeah, you know what? Like you said, if he brings it up, talk about it. If he doesn't, it's no big deal. Let him roll. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's t it's it, the 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 way we deal as a culture with sexual abuse is twisted. Well, even calling it sexual abuse, exactly. you know, when sometimes it isn't. Yeah. You know, like two fourteen-year-olds or twelve-year-olds or whatever. You know, how's that abuse? Yeah, I mean, it's right. like they're just experimenting. And it's pretty normal. It's actually. totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. As far as like them finding their own way there, it's you know, I just step out of the way with that one. And if they have a question, they can <laughs> ask me. Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have one of those things. Murphy stole my flashlight. So. Oh no. <laughs> No. Yeah. Are you serious? Totally. I had to buy my own. It shows up missing, and I'm like, <laughs> "Where's my? Where is my flashlight?" Honey, have you seen my? Have you seen my? Well, I'm thinking to myself, where could it be? <laughs> I don't. I don't take it. You don't take it to work. I don't take it to work. <laughs> I don't, it's not in the car for red lights. You know, uh, red lights. <laughs> so That's I go in, go in Murphy's room. Are you kidding me? No. Uh, Oh, I know, it's like, you can keep it. I'm like, that's yeah. yours. It's yeah. yours now. <laughs> Congratulations. That's you so funny. Ding, ding, ding. You just fucked yourself <laughs> just into one? a flashlight. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I stole my dad's uh, Playboys and Penthouse magazines, and he pretended he didn't know right. for years. But uh, as far as I know, dad did not have a flashlight. I think this was pre-Fleshlight days. <laughs> Might have had like a homemade version of it, you know, like the bowl of jello. Oh, God knows. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> uh, spaghetti squash <laughs> and a, the right kind of drill, you oh know. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Uh, I, I was talking to a guy years ago. We were having one of these conversations about like the weirdest thing you've ever fucked. Right. You know? Yeah. And Alice, Allison, uh, yeah, sorry. We're, we're, this is going to be male, male talk okay. here for a minute. And then we'll talk hey, about the weirdest thing you've just had. Pretend in you're your, in a locker room, okay? That's right. Yeah, gymnast. It's your locker room talk. We can talk about the weirdest thing you've ever had in your snatch in a minute. <laughs> How dare you call it a snatch? Aside from this guy. Yeah. Uh, no, but this, this guy's like, well, one night I was really horny. Because when you're like 15, you get Anything. horny. To the point where it's like being drunk, yeah, right? Totally. I mean, anything. you're you're just like, yeah, I gotta like fuck something. And this <laughs> this guy was out. He was walking around. It was a rainy, warm night in Virginia, wherever the fuck he was. And he was walking around naked. And I think he was high. I don't know. But anyway, he decided to fuck the earth. Like, like mud. Oh, wow. Yeah, mud. There was like a guard, and there was a pile of mud. Is it somewhat softer. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
cold. Hurting himself. Well, no, it was a, it was a warm rain. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. So, it's a summer evening. So, yeah. it's a summer eve. <laughs> summer's eve. <laughs> that was a sight. Quite the sight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, driving up the driveway? Like, <laughs> what is he doing? Damn. Really? Hey, are you fucking my garden? Get the hell out of my garden. Kids. These kids. Yeah, so he fucked the earth, which is, it sounds romantic as a phrase, yeah. you know, I mean, love yeah. with the earth, mother earth, but, you know, actually fucking dirt, that seems kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, not to, not to judge, of, not right. to judge, but, yeah, yeah planting, did, did that stick with him? Planting your seed, huh? Did that stick with him, you know, as a king? <laughs> Because, you know, we, yeah. you know how, how yeah. like, uh, well, a lot of that happens. Your fetishes get created by... Right. He likes it dirty, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. He still likes it dirty. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good guy. He needs to get on the podcast. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. I lost touch with that guy. I, I don't know where he is. I you heard that story. <laughs> I was like, get out of all my right. house. Sweet. Get out of my yard. Oh, that's funny. Uh, all right. So, so uh, the other thing... now. Here's a question. All right, when when I met you guys, all four of you, uh, you know, Casilda and I immediately recognized you as like being super fucking authentic people that we immediately really loved. Would we have felt that way about you if we'd met you two years earlier? How much how much That's of who you are I came from this experience? I think we yeah, that's a good question. I, I think we've always been as authentic as we know how to be, right? right. And in that moment. Um, but yeah, we definitely, I mean, I think it's pretty normal for most people to go through their 20s and, and 30s, like kind of kind of like a shit show in, in some ways, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing yeah. what to do yeah. or, you know, well, and you, how to You be. never got taught how to be adults. That's yeah, why. yeah, exactly. You spend your 20s actually learning Trying how to, to be an adult. There's nobody, yeah. Yeah. Really know. But I feel yeah. like we've all always, I mean. How old were you when you got together? Oh, we were young. I was, well, we first met each other when I was 21 and he was 22. And then we got married when I was 24 and he was 25. Wow. So. So you guys grew up together. Totally. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That was the, and we came to some, a little bit of a crisis in our relationship. And um, it, when we hit, I don't know, what was it, 40? Or maybe earlier was it for? Could it be more of a cliche? I know, right? <laughs> I had I bought this little red Miata. Oh yeah, I, everything was. Well, that's why. Right. I got a sports well, car. That's what great. brought us. No. That's <laughs> what brought Liam initially to your book. So, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, you everybody. I mean, when you've been with someone that long, yeah, you wonder who you are without that person too, yeah, and yeah. like what it's like to be with you know, actually to date because you really haven't actually dated, you right. know, when you were, you've known each other since you were kids. Yeah. You take each so other for you just don't have that experience. Right. Um, yeah. You take it for granted. Um, so, I mean, that crossed both of our minds and we just went through a lot of stuff around that sure. and, and came back together, but we needed to separate ourselves, um, ourselves, our energy together so that we could find ourselves. And, and, and that's kind of like what we we're talking about with the kids too. Yeah, like exactly. You let go in order to let the person be who they are. Right. Yeah, so you don't smother yeah. them. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the, what's the Venn diagram? Right. You know, how much overlap do you need to be a parent or to be a partner with somebody? Right. Sometimes there'll be no overlap. You know, there might be a month to where, there, you know, you don't really have any 
you, you still know them. They're still in your life. They're still yeah. in your right. in your sphere of influence or whatever. But there might not be any overlap. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not something to be afraid of or run from because, you know, maybe the opposite, which is you know covering each other up almost completely. You know, invariably one person is going to be the dominant in that scenario. Hmm. When the diagram is when they're combined. Yeah. One is going to be one's the the moon covering yeah, the sun. Exactly. Yeah, I'm eclipse. trying to think of the yeah one's above it. And, and the others below it. So is that healthy? I mean, I guess it can be. I guess it can work. But to answer your question, um, I think the experience with Wilson greatly shaped our outwardly expression, our, our, our comfort with expressing right. who we were. Right. You know, uh, it definitely, you know, with me having a, you know, changing careers where I'm, you know, being a small business owner slash entrepreneur in the restaurant world, which is crazy. You know, really, that that changed me a lot because right. you have to you you just have to be ready for anything hmm. at any moment. You know, this morning yeah. I was fixing a plum a pipe, you know, a leaky pipe on right. sink, and tomorrow I'll who knows somebody's going to quit and I'm going to be flipping burgers, so right. whatever. Um, but I I, I love it, hmm. and whereas you know leaving the structure behind was financially it's not great, but it's a lot of freedom in it, and it really I mean it changed changed my personality a lot. Um, still an asshole in the basketball court, though. You, know. you are the whiniest that's, bitch I've ever know, met on the basketball court. You know, that's where I get it's, it all out. It's incredible. That's where I get it all, all out. <laughs> all the aggression, all the, the, the micromanaging, the, yeah. the control. I know, I know. Telling everybody what to do. Yeah. It's, it's where I but, but you're still a sweetheart because he always picked me to be on his team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's always the best guy. I'm always the worst guy. So that made sense. There was like some balance there but it was yeah. also like I knew if I'm on Liam's, Liam's team I'd get past the ball occasionally <laughs> right <laughs> Where the days that Liam didn't show up and I was there on my own I would just run up and down the court like you know like I was just a like a spectator who happened to be running around on the court sweaty spectator <laughs> sweaty <laughs> huffing puffing oh heart attack goodness. entertaining spectator yeah yeah that, that's, that, that, that's my one great release though is, is yeah is uh, anything anything uh, physically active? Right. It's just you know I just I don't I try not to think, which yeah. is why a lot of those personality traits come up because you're not suppressing you're not, and they just come out. You know? Right. Come I can be a controlling asshole sometimes. Yeah. I really can. So yeah. pass me the fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping, did you not see? I was How? Did, why are you playing defense? Yeah. You know whatever. <laughs> You know, it's not something to be proud of. Do you, you play basketball with your sons? Uh, Wilson's a, he's really good. Are yeah, you, he is. Are you, are you a dick with him? Uh, not, a little bit. A little bit? A little bit, well, yeah. That, I mean, well, if you're only a little bit, that's a big Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was, I, I, had, to, I, had, I had to be conscious of it because he didn't want to play with me. Yeah. Because he's seen me. Yeah. He yeah. knows how yeah. I am. And yeah. he was like, I really want to come out with you, Dad. And I'm like, yeah. I'll be nice. I yeah. promise I'll be nice. And yeah. a couple of times he was like, Dad. You're not being You're not nice. being nice, girl. <laughs> I can remember, like, I used to play a lot of um, pool with my dad growing up. And my dad's a pretty competitive guy. He was then. And, uh, you know, and I got pretty good. You know, good enough to beat him right, sometimes. Sure. But then he would try to get into my head. 
You know, like I'd be lining it up and like, yeah, you're not going to make that shot. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you miss that shot so many oh, times. And the thing, and you know, it's kind of funny. And you know, the, yeah. the family dynamic in my family with him certainly has been like, you sort of show affection by giving each other shit because yeah. that shows you trust each other. And you know, that's sort you of- You guys aren't Irish, are you? Yeah, oh, yeah, shocking. very much, very much. <laughs> um, but then, but I remember one time I was playing and, and I just felt like, I just felt like it's just mean, you know. Like, why can't we just have fun here and you know enjoy each other's company? Why do you want, why do you want to fuck with my head, you know? Like, and I don't know if I was just overly sensitive because I'd been doing too much acid or something, but um, you know, he was doing that, and I just sort of I looked at him and was like, you know, Dad, I don't really want to play if that's the energy we're gonna have here, you know. And I and it I I could feel it really hurt him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How old were you? I think I was in college. That was your. That was your. You know, instead of popping him in the mouth and kicking him in the gut when he fell, and you know, grabbing the slab of meat. You know that that that's every son has to go through that with their mm. father, where they just say, "Hey, you can't do this to me anymore." Right. I'm a fucking man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and happened at a pool table. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing you didn't have to actually. Yeah. Pop him, well, right? and, and, and the thing is, he got it immediately. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because he's a loving, beautiful guy. He, he cares you know? about you. Yeah. It was never like, uh, there was never a question of him trying to hurt me, but I think he just didn't recognize how negative that energy was becoming, you know? Because I think yeah. there was also the thing where he's like feeling older and he's, you know, there's that weird competitive Absolutely. thing. And I wasn't feeling competitive at all. I was just having fun with my dad. And so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting moment that uh, fathers and sons have to experience, I guess. Yeah. If, if they're lucky, they get to experience that. Yeah. You know, if you, if you have a good enough relationship with your dad to where you... Yeah can grow through that you know right. a lot of people just never do it yeah they just go off and yeah never deal with it and well and the father never like accepts that the son's good at anything you know you never get out of that role of you know being the dominant male bullshit you know these angry old great, men all over great santini yeah i love that yeah. that book who is that that's um uh the guy from the guy from uh south carolina um he wrote the great santini Oh, what's that author's name? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Confederacy of Dunces. We met, we met his sister that? or his daughter at the. What's that? Is that the one uh, we met his sister, his daughter at the? No, park? no, that's Robert Heinlein. That's, oh, okay. that's the sci-fi. No, this this guy's like a southern. It's always like the his books are always like about the southern ethos. It's and, not Faulkner. No, no, uh, mm. much more contemporary. Oh. We'll have to Google oh, it later. Okay, yeah. Well, um, our listeners already have. They are, yeah, they already know. <laughs> they already they're, know. They're, they're yelling at us right now. <laughs> you dumb fuck! <laughs> How could you forget that Robert Duvall in The Great Santini in the yeah. book was... I, 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 wanna, I keep... A color keeps coming up. Like, the color purple keeps coming up, but that's a different book. Yeah. But there's another book that was Prince of Tides. Oh, was another book that he wrote. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. We knew all the movie shit, but yeah. we, not, not the author. Yeah, yeah. But the great Santini's the one where the the dad's the military, the drill sergeant, and the, oh. the son's having to deal with him. He's an alcoholic. And, oh, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But that's all about father son dynamics. What What was your father son dynamic like? Well, so yeah, so I'm uh, my I don't I don't live I don't really know my biological father, so it's huh. negative with him. Huh. Uh, my dad, you know, my dad who came into my life when I was like two. And then adopted us. Um, you know, I left when I was 
21 to chase Allison down to Atlanta. So I kind of went away, became, a, became an adult, and then came back. So we never really had, had to. We never really went through the process of me being around mm-hmm. him and becoming an adult because mm-hmm. I was a total child in college, all through, all through college. Really? I was just drinking and, you know, um, and, and finishing school. And then, you know, I went to Atlanta and didn't have anything, you know, had to get a job, didn't, you know, had, had a crappy old car, um, made my, completely made my own way. Mm-hmm. And so I think what that did was earn, earn my dad's respect. Right. You know what I mean? Like he saw it. It's funny because my grandfather, remember my grandfather telling me, because, you know, I was going to move back into my, my bedroom at home, you know, and I was at my grandfather's house and uh, I was on the phone with Allison in Atlanta, you know, hung up and my granddad comes up and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I don't know. He said, get your ass to Atlanta. He said, you're in love with this girl. You're going to go back to Virginia. You're going to write her a bunch of letters. You're going to call her. He says, what do you got? What do you have in, in Virginia? There's nothing there for you. Just mommy and mommy and daddy. He's like, go to, get, go to Atlanta. And I was like. It's grandpa. I'm like, okay, grandpa, cool. I can do it. You know, he like gave me permission. Hmm. So, I did it. Packed up the car and drove to Atlanta and made my own life. And then my dad, I think, five years later, was like, oh well, you know, you did it. Good job. Isn't that amazing? And that that story just makes me think how amazing. Like the just, the, how can I say this? Like. Like, I don't know anything else about your grandfather's influence on your life or whatever, all right? right? But there's this one moment where he recognized something, that you're at a crossroads, and he just gave you this one little push, just a little push, that totally changed the trajectory of your life. I mean, you were in love, you probably would have happened anyway, but it would have been different and probably negatively different. Well, it definitely would have been different. And, you know, I mean, at that age, you're 21 or 22 years old. Yeah, you're in love with somebody. But I very easily could have fallen in love with somebody back in Virginia that I ran into. She could have. Or she could have found some beautiful Adonis you know, in Doctor, Atlanta, they're all over the know, place down lots there. Lots of money. Yeah. 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 Poor so, girl. You're, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Grandpa. Father, fuck things yeah. up for you. He's dead, so. though, honey. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> I miss him, though. He was he was, a, he was yeah. sweet. He, he was, was cool. That's, yeah. that's great. I, you know, he may not have been a great dad or whatever, but who knows? I don't know. I wasn't his kid. He, he was your mom's he father? He was my mom's father. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but he was, and you have an older brother. I have. Yeah, I do. I have an older brother. He's same, in Atlanta. Same biological father? Yeah. Same same dad. Right. Right. Yeah. Same father. So, yeah. so, you know, I had a dad growing up. It wasn't like I lived in a fatherless home or anything right. like that. It was right. just that dynamic of somebody who's not your biological father. I'm sure it was really hard for him to ever really... I mean, he was able to be my dad and discipline me and be there for me and love me and support me and do all things that dads do. Right. But I'm sure he had to have, and I'm speaking for him, but in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking, yeah, well, I'm not really his dad. Right. Some other, some other sperm sired this or whatever, you know. Yeah, I wonder to what extent that, that enters into a guy's thinking, especially if, you know, he came into your life when you were two. You were tiny. I was, I, I may have been, it may have been my brother was two and I was even younger. So right. he was always so around. he was there. He, he was always there. He grow up. Yeah, and for sure. You know. Yeah, I can imagine like if the kid is like, "You're not my dad," and then it's like, "Okay, here we go." Here we you go. know, like they're gonna play that card, right. you little yeah. fucker, you little bastard. <laughs> Wait, you are a little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but my I dad was great. He was, you know, it. I mean, we everybody has yeah. their 
negative and po positive experiences sure, growing up. But sure. we were lucky enough, you know, with your mind's generation, the, the 45 to 55, lot, that's when divorce really became a thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm sure you had a lot of friends whose parents got divorced. Almost all of them. Yeah, and yeah. I did too. And so I always felt lucky that, you know, my parents stayed together. Maybe it not wasn't the best thing. Who, who the fuck knows? You don't know with the different paths that you could have taken, but yeah. they did stay together. Right. So, right. Um, and I'm relatively fucked up, you know, without being in jail or anything, you know? So, yet. Yet. Still time. <laughs> Still time to do time. So, okay, so let's let's move into the, the second uh, crazy fucking thing that you've done. Uh, I don't, I don't that, know if, that you know of. That I know of. <laughs> that, that recent. I mean, you're just showing me your pus oozing scar there oh, yeah. a few minutes ago so okay how did this happen you, you i mean we don't need to string this out you donated a kidney right to a childhood friend yeah a friend of mine from like second grade three grade. weeks ago yeah three three and a half weeks ago yeah right is that coming up on your yeah. Can you hear that? That's yeah. that's our crazy neighbor. Oh, oh, okay. He does Let weird me, yard work sometimes. Get, no, get no, no, no. Don't worry okay. about it. Don't worry. Stop barking. Right. He's, he's barking at the neighbor. Yeah. Uh, so how did this come about? You you get an email or like Facebook, man. The oh, infamous Facebook. Facebook. That's why I don't Facebook do stole Facebook. my kidney. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. No, it's it's hilarious. So, because I'll be I will be completely transparent and okay. honest right. about the what my intentions were. Uh -huh. So I've got a friend, uh, Ronnie Coward. I, I know him as Kenny. Um, uh, he goes by Ronnie now professionally. So he's known him since second grade, PG County, Maryland, where you know he went to the Catholic school, I went to the public school. And the public school was, so me and my brother grew up, it was like 20%, 25% white, 75% African-American. Mm. He happens to be an African-American guy. And he was a really good athlete, football player. you happen player. to be white. I happen to be white. Right. And he's a, he was a football, really good football player, so he went to the Catholic school because they had a good football program. Right. And his parents were devout Catholics. And, but we were still friends, same neighborhood friends and everything, and same, same group of kids. And we move away to Virginia, one part of Virginia, he moves to Richmond. We were in Northern Virginia and um, near Dulles Airport. And uh, 10 years later, he walks into a room at my roommate's house in college because my roommate was from Richmond hmm. and they were they went to high school together. And this guy walks in, Kenny, and I'm like, fuck, we look at each other and like, fucking know you? It's like, I know you from like fourth grade or whatever. And so, right. you know, we became friends again. So it was like 10 years back, we, we um, hung out in the same crowd of people in college and everything and became really good friends went back and saw his parents one time went back to Richmond one weekend and then he gets a job with the Mets as an athletic trainer right so he's like a strength and conditioning coach not an athletic trainer and uh, in the off season he, he decides to move to Atlanta where I was living and he walked into this restaurant that I worked at. This was before Facebook that, that I went so to all the time. had lost touch. We had lost touch, right. kind of. You know, I mean, it, there was no social media back right. then. So you we had to you know, letters and shit. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> Especially when he's traveling all over the country, right? right? So, right. But I did know his brother was in Atlanta. And so he walks into this restaurant, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, fuck, it's Kenny. So we started talking. He's like, oh, I'm here for three months. So we became friends again, and we stayed friends after that, you know, for a while. Um, and then... You know, we stayed in touch as much as you do with, you know, 
Facebook and whatever, and you know, we'd see each other every once in a while in Atlanta. And then he puts a thing on Facebook that um, he's, his kidneys are finally failing. So his kidneys had completely failed because he'd gotten this disease and come down with this uh, genetic condition or something in t- like 2002. A genetic condition? Yeah, with that, it's the same thing that Alonzo Mourning had, the, the Miami Heat uh, uh, Center for the Heat. Right. Um, it's, they don't know what causes it, but it especially happens to African-Americans. Huh. It's more, much more prevalent, kind of like sickle cell anemia right, happens right. to other people, but it mostly happens to African-Americans. Right. And so he was living with it, finally got on dialysis like two or three years ago. Um, and dialysis is a killer. I don't know if you know anybody that's ever, but it, you know, every two days you basically have to get your blood drained from your body and yeah. cleaned and put back in and you, know, you don't sleep. Yeah, I mean it's just it's a it's a horrible huh. situation to be in. So he put this thing on Facebook and said, "Hey, you know, I really got to find a kidney." And he's like, "Anybody that wants to test can test." And so I said to myself, "Well, shit, fucking here's a free chance to score some points with a with Kenny, right?" I'll be like, "I'll do the test. I'll do the kit." Right. And I won't match because you're fucking black and I'm Irish white as fuck and, you know, no big deal because I'm right. ignorant. You know, I'm just like, you know, black guys, aren't gonna, I'm not white guys, I'm going to match with him. Right. So, right. you know, I do the test and I'm, and I'm like, hey, Kenny, I'm doing the test, you know, feeling all good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing I'm not going to match. Yeah. Of course I'm not going to match, yeah. you know. But yeah. I mean, it's, of course I want him to get a kidney. I mean, yeah. But I just don't think it's going to be me, honestly. Right. right. Um, and so I took the test and then they're like, hey, you know, Apparently, I'm the universal blood type O, o positive, positive, right? Yeah, so they're too. like, they're like, oh, cool, you're O positive. You know, oh, when, cool. when the lady took my blood, she's like, oh, you're O positive. That's great. And I was like, why? She's like, oh, it's a, the chances are. And I'm like, oh shit, that's oh, where shit. I was like, go. oh shit. Can I have that back? Yeah, please? right. You know, um, <laughs> I was thinking. So I, you know, I did the test, and then the the Emory University called me and said, we need you to come to Atlanta for for the some follow up tests. So you did the test here in Portland? Yeah, like at LabCorp or whatever, oh, like, right, you know, right. remotely. You send in your blood. And yeah, yeah, and, and a, 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 ostensibly what it comes down to is, I mean, it's relatively rare to match. Relative enough. It's more about blood type than it is anything else, uh. right? Um, and primarily it's about the health of the donor. Hmm. So they're not going to take a kidney from anybody who it's really going to harm right. or is really at any kind of risk. Right. And, you know, once you get past... 45, 4045, 40, you know, that's when chronic health issues start showing up. Like, and you know, the kidney problems are heavily associated with cardiovascular problems, diabetes, mm. the, all the th- blood issues. Right. Blood diseases cause right. you kidney problems, right? right? Um, so they, that's when they put you through the battery of like physical tests. So I went and got a CT scan, right. chest x ray, you know, they did my whole abdomen. They um, put me, kind of put me through the ringer. And one of the things they say is, so we could find something. We might find a lump that you didn't know about. You know, you might have cancer. They don't know, so be ready for that. It's kind of scary. So you go. So I went through that, How and do you then be ready for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. So they're like in February of this year. They're like, they green lighted it. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean you're green? Like they just called me like, all right, so everything's good. And I'm like. And and I had made Good the mistake. Yeah, exactly. And I had made the you know not the mistake, but you know, I they tell you that you don't you know don't you don't have to communicate with the recipient. No right. reason to. They don't need to know who the match is that you're a match. Huh. But I'm like trying to score points. Right. So I'm telling Kenny the whole time. So I'm coming to Atlanta. 
So next phase, next phase. So I'm giving them the play-by-play of the match. Um, and I think that's because I knew I would do it if, if I matched. You know, I, I was kind of building a little bit of, of a wall for myself to make sure that if I matched that I did do it, maybe. Hmm. Setting myself to, up to kind of have to do it psychologically. Were you the only match? Um, I, I think he may have had one match in his family, but they had, they were health issues. So, um, and some people, they just didn't even test because, you know, you know, his dad, his dad's relatively elder, older sure. and, you know, they wouldn't, they weren't going to take his dad's kidney. Right. Uh, you know, I never really asked. I think maybe one of one, his one brother didn't match his other brother. Maybe had some health issues, Right. but, um, I was the match and they're like, yeah, we're ready. You know, just let's set up the surgery. Right. And so we finally got around to it in July, July 18th was when, when we did the surgery. So that was um, an interesting experience to, you know, I, people, when I'd be in the airport, on my, I was on my way back to Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going back for a little elective procedure. They're thinking I'm, you know, getting a little nip tuck. But I was, I was choosing to have an organ removed from my body and get my abdomen ripped open. Are you scared? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, more afraid of, leaving people behind if something were to happen you know complication i mean at the end of the day you don't control it yeah you know and that's one of the things we talked about before with what we went through with wilson the whole letting go you letting go you know <clears throat> letting go of control and you have to it's with yourself too so um you know vol- volunteering or putting your hand up for that kind of thing um to me i saw it as a as a really good growth opportunity you know emotionally to deal with stuff um, I can tell Allison this now. She doesn't know my life insurance had lapsed because they had, they were billing in like a, a checking account that I had closed, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't have my, any life insurance. That you know, <laughs> would would that even be covered? Like choosing to have unnecessary surgery? Um, I think actually it was. Yeah. It was right. Um, any kind of medical medical procedure was covered except for like. Uh, plastic surgery. Ah, uh, okay. Like like that kind of elective surgery. Right, right. So, so yeah. how how did you fit into this? Like yeah. like how at what point? <laughs> tell the know, truth. Really. At what point were you <laughs> consulted <laughs> on on this issue? <laughs> I, lightly. I think it, yeah, lightly. I I wasn't really. I mean, I wasn't asked, but you know, it's it, it's his body. He you know he can do what he he feels like he needs to do. I was concerned initially. I was really scared, you know, because I just, of course, you know, the first reaction was like, yeah. that's really serious. And right. what's life going to be like with uh, after that? Or, yeah. you know, and it's very um, risky, so, or potentially it could be. Um, so, you know, that was my first concern. But then as we talked, and I talked to him about the whole thing and how he felt about it and how. Uh, it just seemed like, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but it just seemed like it was his destiny to do this for his friend and his friend and he talked about it, Kenny and he talked about it and um, it just, it, it kept seeming like it, it was supposed to happen, like, and if it didn't happen, it, I would have been just in the way of that if I, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain this without, for anybody to understand because it just, it was more of a feeling than anything else. But at some point, I, I realized that, okay, yeah, this needs to happen, it's supposed to happen, and I just need to like allow it to happen. Um, and then I got okay with being like, whatever outcome it is, I'm gonna be all right. 
Hmm. And um, But I was kind of a dick about it. You were. We got into a fight at first about it because, um, you know, I, I mean... I mean, it, it, it was good that that happened, though, because we got a lot of stuff out on the table and talked about it. But, mm. but I think, um, you know, it, I mean, that's the thing with people. When people are in your life, you can't really control what they do. We, we're in the illusion we can control them, you know, or we can tell them what to do. But at what point do you just say, hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's an adult. He, I trust that he knows what to do he takes care of himself so you know at some point it's just like with your kids you got to have that trust between each other and know that everything's going to be all right because you know he's he's a grown man i'm not going to try to take care of him so you know but like, like uh, liam how would you uh how would you deal with like if allison said uh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna learn to fly in those wing suits you know, that, that's what I want to do now. Yeah. I'm going to go jump off these cliffs in a wingsuit and fly at 120 miles an hour and hope the parachute opens. Cause right. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I had an out, right? I was, I was being, I was being the, you know, giving of myself for another person, saving someone's life. But you were taking an unnecessary risk that would affect the family, would affect her, you know. Yeah, no, that you, yeah. that speaks to my point is yeah. what I'm saying, actually, yeah. is that I was, I had, I had a, a kind of a get out of jail free card for that risk. Oh, okay. Doesn't mean I wasn't taking the exact same risk. Right, right. Absolutely, I was. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I would, well, first of all, I would let Allison do whatever she wanted to do right because I don't let her do anything right. or not let her do anything yeah. uh, at least I don't believe that I do I don't I, I mean I may have the power to stop her from doing things but it would there's a price there is a price <laughs> once you play that card it's played absolutely yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know I, I would have a um, I would have a lot of uh, of trepidation if she wanted to you know, go out and involve herself in risky behavior that risked her life. I don't want to lose her. Right. Um, but I trust her that, you know, if to take care of herself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when we, st when you start to look at the statistical nature of death in modern life, you know, it's such a weird thing about how people die and the likelihood of dying in particular ways in our modern society is right. so and you know you can and you know lies damn lies and statistics right, right. it's really fun to play with the fact that you know more people slip in the bathtub every year than died at nine on nine eleven. right right or um you're more likely to to die you know and way more likely to die in a car accident than a plane accident sure right and we yeah. just nobody thinks twice about jumping in their little death box steel death box right, right. Um, but everybody freaks the fuck out when they get a little bump on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's all about your perception of danger, right? And your, your, um, uh, how vulnerable you feel. What, I, what I've discovered in leading up to it was it's actually a perceived vulnerability. Sure. So it's actually just literally coming to grips with the fact that you're totally just going to give, hand your whole life over to these people. Right. They're just going to knock you out and you are probably going to wake up. And they're very good at what they do. They, they do it all the time. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, they do fuck up. Hmm. Or you have things that they don't know are going on that cause bleeding or whatever. It doesn't yeah. happen very often. I mean, is that the main risk or, or is the main risk that, you know, 20 years from now, you have an issue with your remaining kidney that wouldn't be a big deal if, yeah, if you had the second? Yeah, if, if you stay healthy, that shouldn't be a risk. Right. right. So it's pretty much, it's funny because we're talking about statistics. Statistically speaking... Kidney donors live longer than people who don't donate kidneys. Really? Than the average population. That, that's interesting. Because you're pre-selected. You're pre 
Right, you're you're through that wall. Oh, because you're already because you qualify. You those tests. You pass the test to be. But I bet there's more to it than that. You've passed those tests, so you've got a higher level of fitness than your average person. Perhaps, yeah, I would say um, so. You've gotten through the wall where you so you meet a certain level of physical fitness, right? And then right. you were saying there was another component. Yeah, that, that, you that you're a certain kind of person that I think tends to live longer because you're probably pretty optimistic and yep. open-hearted, and you know those happy people tend to live longer. I think just because they're enjoying life more. Yeah, that's probably part of it. W- willingness to to give to others, and right. you, I guess, you have a certain level of. You probably have more friends. You're the, you're the. I mean, if you're giving your kidney to a friend, you're probably the kind of person who is embedded in a community of love, you know? Like, you're participating in it, obviously. Yeah. And those people live longer. And you're getting this really in-depth medical checkup. Yeah, right. That most people would never get it, you know, 40 or whatever. Yeah, totally. It it was interesting. Now I've got to get another life insurance policy, and it's a ding on you if you've donated an organ. Really? But there's all these... There's these advocates for organ donation who are like these silly insurance companies aren't even doing their what they're so good at supposedly, right, right. which is looking at data, which yeah. is that these people live longer. They're well, lower, and, and they lower know risk. that as of three months ago, super healthy, you have zero cancer. Right, whatever. not going to drop dead tomorrow yeah. from a heart attack exactly. or whatever. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird. It's it's you know it's just one of those. That's fucked. Yeah. I used to work in this hospital in Barcelona that I think is the leading uh, kidney transplant hospital in the world hospital clinique yeah they they did i don't remember the numbers but it was astounding how many they did you know my dad had a liver transplant oh did he really yeah so did he get one from a cadaver or did he get like a slice of a piece of somebody's liver yeah well how did that work out for him great he's still alive cool 15 16 years later yeah it's awesome it's like 20 25 years for a kidney Huh. Livers, I think, have they have the ability to repair themselves. Right. So I think that's like pretty much forever. Right. If you get a healthy one and you keep it healthy, you're gonna yeah. it's gonna be healthy forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Kenny might need another one in a while, twenty years or so. So right. I'm, but I'm out. Don't come looking for you. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, you're gonna get off Facebook. Got nothing. That nothing right here. Yeah. yeah. God, I hope Facebook's gone by then. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fucking Facebook. Uh, so. Okay, now now this is one of these hypotheticals that can't be answered, so I'm not looking for an answer, but I wonder if you thought about, would Kenny do that for you? I thought about, you know, I definitely thought about who would do that for me, you know? Right. And people, I got from a lot of people that they couldn't do it for anybody, or people were giving me their list. Well, you know, I couldn't do that for anybody except, you know, my brother. And it always, it almost invariably was family. Right. You know, it almost always came to, I don't know if I could do that for just, for just a friend. Right. And I didn't really know what to do with that. You know what I mean? I didn't know if they were putting me on a pestle or t- telling me they thought I was fucking stupid. Right. Or crazy for risking my life, quote right. unquote, air quotes, since we're not on video. Uh, I mean, I guess I was risking my life, but I never really thought of it that way. Right. Um, so I never really quite knew what to do with that. And so it led to me thinking to myself, oh, I wonder who would give me a kidney. And, yeah. you know, I, I think I would be able to get a kidney. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Not from anybody that I play basketball with. No. No. <laughs> or, or used to play. No, well, those, and, and I'll tell you, Chris, it's funny. Uh, those guys uh-huh. were just blown the fuck 
away. Because they think you're a dick. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they really so, see that side of so you. So they're all yeah. just like, uh, just like, who is this guy? Yeah. And you know, I could almost, it was almost like I could hear whispers. <laughs> like, did you hear he's giving his kidney away? Because yeah. first of all, yeah. I'm sure they're ecstatic that I'm gone for a month. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yelling at him for a month. Well, I, I mean, my my role there for a while was like when you wouldn't show up or whatever, I would I would tell them what a cool guy you were. Yeah, sure. And, and I knew they. It's like, look, guys, I know, I know, because you some, see it. Someone they come in like, like why do you why hang out with him? Like so, yelling all the time. Like, what's up with that guy? He's like, he's actually a really nice guy. <laughs> I felt bad that you had to defend me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I had. To, I mean, it's it's all I could do. On the court, Absolutely, you know? for it was, sure. It was my only defense, right. my defensive yeah. capability. Man, my finger is still fucked up. Is it really? Yeah. From oh, what dude, I, I broke it. Uh, I didn't do it, did I? No, it was the big dude. I forget his oh, name. Oh, Dave. Dave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. still he's still breaking people's fingers. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Dave. Yeah. If, oh. Dave, if you're listening to this, Dave, <laughs> fuck off, man. You're the reason I haven't finished that book. <laughs> I can't type with that finger. Oh. Um, what am I talking about? Oh, oh, giving kidneys and what? What did the boys think about it? Did they? Uh, uh, they were pretty cool with it. So they, you, so the way they had you, to let me go. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like you <laughs> approach this, like I'm going to do this. You people have to deal with it. You didn't like say, hey, what do you think? Everybody yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, you're putting it much more bluntly than I like to think of it, uh, but that's exactly what I did. It's like this is my personal decision. I'm going to do this. I was kind of, you know, I. I it wasn't that I didn't keep anybody in the loop, but you know, my 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 mom wasn't excited. Yeah. You know. Um, Did you feel like you had some sort of karmic debt that you were paying? I didn't. Re I never really felt like I did. I had an option. I mean, I really didn't. And, and that whether it could have been a karmic debt, it could have been a um, how could I not? I, I just never. It never occurred to me to. Um, it's funny, Kenny and I did a little Skype thing the other day for his YouTube channel, and one of his questions for me was was kind of that, you know, like, did, did you know, when did you have second thoughts or whatever? And I was just like, I'm not trying to fucking sound like I'm some great person, but I just never really thought about not doing it. I just every time I took the next step, I was just like, oh, okay. So the the moment of decision, it sounds like, was when you raised your hand and said, I'll get a blood test. Yeah. Whether I whether I realized it or not, yeah, because I w didn't really think I was going to match. Right. But from that point forward, I never, I never thought about not doing the next test, which was always an option, and just calling Kenny and saying sorry. He didn't know whether I matched or not until right. I called him and said it's a go. Right. Because they were they were not going to tell him it was a go until I agreed. Right. And so he could have also said like, you know, my wife and kids are like freaking out. He like, would have been fine with yeah, it. Yeah, of course. He I can't. Mean, what's he going to get mad about, that? right? Yeah. yeah, not at all. Yeah. I mean, and you know, Kenny's a Kenny's a really great guy too. So I mean, and you know, we've So I just I can't you know, and 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 it's not the altruistic is the word I was trying to altruistic, think of. Altruistic. Altruistic. Right, yes. Right. So it's not that I feel that it's this um altruistic people altruistic people live longer is right. what I was going for. But it's not that I feel like being altruistic is um, necessarily empowering for me or not empowering for me or that I even felt like I was being altruistic. It, right. it just felt like the same way you, I guess, some people feel when they hand a buck to a guy out their window. 
some people really consternate over that. Oh, my, this bum's going to go spend, he's going to go drink it away, or is he, you know, I'll buy right. him a hot dog, but I won't give him a dollar. And they, right. and some people just roll down their fucking window and throw a dollar at him and just, right. it's just what they're going to do, or right. $10 or right. whatever they're going to do for him. Or some people mindfully don't do that. <clears throat> right. That, that It's kind of how it was. It wasn't really a... It was just water flowing. Yeah, it wasn't this big, I'm going to do this. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Right. And, the, you know, the clouds opened up and right. Jesus came down and pointed right. at me and go, good job. Right, right. <laughs> ding. You know, Must that, have been disappointing. Yeah, you know, the, the, the pearly whites and then sort of expecting Yeah, exactly. <laughs> expecting it. Uh, uh, all right. Well, I, I don't know how long we've been talking because we've been interrupted so many times. Like, it's like, it says eight minutes, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's only since the dog farted or whatever the fuck the last thing was that happened. Uh, I'll I'll stitch these together someday. Oh my god! Some I'll next spend, year. This like, is this will be the Christmas special. An entire weekend stitching this shit together. You know, you should send it to Allison and make her edit it. Yeah, I she's can, really good I at can it. Edit it. Are you good at editing? Yeah, she's uh, doing it. She's uh, have, you should you should check out her podcast. You might like it. I don't listen to fucking podcasts. Why would you waste your time with that? Who listens to podcasts? Who's <laughs> got time for that shit? Part. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. so I, I want to talk about Alice's podcast, yes. but I also, you mentioned Kenny has a YouTube channel. He does. What's what's that? Do you know? Uh, or, or they can just Google Kenny. Um, RK Training? Is it an RK Training or something? Oh, I don't know. Kenny's? Kenny's is, I mean, I know his I know his handle is RK Strength, Strength Training. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the name of his YouTube well, channel. Well, I'll bet if they Google or, or they Ronnie search. Ronnie Kenyana. Ronnie Kenyatta. Yada. Y A T T A? Yeah. Uh, okay. He went with like an African name? Is that. That's his. No, that's his. His middle name is Kenyatta. Ah, okay. Cool name. Yeah. Uh, strength training. So you can look for that and you'll see a little Skype thing with Liam there. Because we opted not to do video today. Thank God. They don't get to Imagine. see how beautiful we <laughs> Imagine I am. What it'd be yeah. like fucking <laughs> editing that together. <laughs> And Allison's podcast, which is pretty recent, that you started this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think uh, back in the spring. Uh huh. Yeah. How many it's episodes a, do you have up yet? Um, we have. Well, I've just recorded the twentieth episode, but we oh, have that's not bad. Up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're you're into it. Yeah, you're it's well a lot of fun. It. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. The J the JP one was the best so far. Yeah, we interviewed JP Sears. He was one of he was fun. JP Sears the 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 the, the like ultra video, spiritual yeah, guy. Ultra yeah. Spiritual. Really? She, he's yeah. Allison's yeah. friend. Right. She and he and Allison are friends. Oh, that's really. Funny. I love yeah. that guy. He's yeah, he's hilarious. so funny. Oh, he nails it We were cracking up the whole time. Was he in character for the interview? Uh, yeah, he was himself, but he's he's he can be very. Sar- I mean, he you know I think his joking is sarcastic. It just naturally, he's right. a naturally kind of sarcastic person in that right. way. Um, and what, so, what's his like? Does he? Have, it's just J.P. Sears is is what he does. Yeah, right? yeah. He, well, he <laughs> is. Uh, he started out being a holistic, uh, co- you know, uh, emotional coach, and and I met him because he was one of my first teachers at the Czech Institute. He was an actual holistic coach. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Which is basically what he's making fun of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, oh, that's, exactly. That's great. I didn't yeah. know that. He's, totally he's, yeah, he's fun actually himself. doing a comedy tour now. So really? He's, yeah, he's starting one, this, I think, uh, in September. So. Like in yoga institutes? or like? No, just like I, I think regular stand-up. That's, like, oh, that's so he's yeah. booking it and yeah. doing it in that's venues. Right. Yeah. He's really good. and He's really good live, actually. Yeah, I've seen I'll him. Bet. Yeah. I bet his crowd but, interaction must be interesting. 
Yeah. So what's the name yeah. of your podcast? So the name of my podcast is Integrate Yourself. Go integrate yourself. <laughs> Did you see her voice change? Was she, well, I saw, I saw her like lean, she leaned into it. She sort of leaned it. into it. That was good. It. It's like, God, where's, she where's, got in where's character. the camera? Yeah. Where's the camera? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We talk a lot about health integration, all, integrating all aspects of health into your life, uh, right. fitness, Do nutrition. you do it with someone else? Yeah, uh, my friend Maya and I do it together. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Cool. Talk about, you know, it's, it's a mix of a lot of different things, but that's why we call it Integrate Yourself because it's, you know, health to me is integrating all those aspects, right. you know. Of, right. It's not just about nutrition. It's not just about fitness. It's it's about emotional health, too. And, and even physical health. Kisilda always complained about Americans' approach to, to like, she called, uh, you probably heard her call uh, American men um, uh, lobsters. Oh yeah, because they're, they're all about developing the upper body, right. you know. Yes. And it's all like isolated muscle training, and she's like, no, like you do yeah. it all or you don't do it, because then you get imbalances and you get right. all fucked up, and yeah. yeah. So yeah, integration is where it's at. I yeah, agree absolutely. for sure. For yeah. sure. Okay, integrate yourself, and it's on you know wherever podcasts, podcasts are. Yeah, and it's on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, but there it is everywhere. Yeah. Right. Well, keep you going. One more. It. One more. Come on, oh. Android, Stitcher. Come on. Oh, uh, Come on. Pod. Podcast you know, addict. Any podcast <laughs> app you can you can find. Great. So, yeah. And you, are you still at Dick's Kitchen? Is yeah, that your yeah, main gig? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if people are in Portland, uh, drop in at Dick's Kitchen on, is it Belmont? Belmont, uh, Woodstock. You know, we Woodstock. opened up the other one in yeah. Northwest 21st. Right, so right. three stores right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, say that Liam said you get a free burger. For <laughs> <laughs> Tell them all. Buy eight, get eight free. Like, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and well, and Dick has been on the podcast as yeah. well, Richard, That's right. yeah, the great Richard. Yeah. Yes, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Fun. Thanks, Let, Chris. Let's stop this before another fucking dog. Yeah, barks. no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to Patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, If you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. 
dot com and uh if you want to get some t-shirts we have the civilized to death shirts sex at dawn shirts tangentially speaking shirts they're all in my mom's garage she will get them out to you in a jiffy julie my mom is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet so you can find those on my website that chris ryan chris ryan phd.com tangentially speaking.com whatever you'll find them just look in the store there if you want to buy some other t-shirts from the same manufacturer that's shore design t shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that bennett gave us So be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20%, 20% off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD. And that's at SureDesignTshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at CarseyBlanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Take you up in my arms And 
if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground